Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We are presented by The Athletic today on the show. I am here with Matthew Penny, where the only topic of conversation will be the efficacy of handshake lines in collegiate athletics, the only important topic that could possibly have come up over this weekend. What up, Ben? Oh, I, that's a great start. Let's just talk about handshake lines. Just talk about sportsmanship. That, that's what we're here to, to really do and to give to the masses our, our thoughts on that. I, is there like a dumber conversation than like starting the, oh my God, like wh- why do we have handshake lines like in college athletics? Oh my God, Matthew, how can we possibly do this? Like, I don't know. Oh, people, people guys. are going hard on both sides of that though, too. They are. Like you must shake hands or it's so outdated. It's antiquated. This is pre three point line. People are doing that. How, just, how can just, you just feel so strongly about something like it's, this? It's yeah, it's <laughs> wild. It's wild. I, I I didn't know that people had such. To, like, do they have these handshake takes just like built up and then it's happened? They're like, all right, it's time. Like, we got to fire them off. It's a it's a talking point. Do we do this? COVID kind of ended it briefly. Remember, like we played games in the court and the people would, like point to the bench and wave, like, hey, we just didn't breathe the same air for the last two hours. Good to see you guys. See, I'll see, see you next week. And now we're we're doing clotheslines. Maybe there's a middle ground that that makes everybody a little bit more happy. Yeah. Well, what what can the middle ground in the handshake line be? Is it just like touching feet? Like we like walk by and we like <laughs> do like a foot tap with one another? Like, is that the move? Is it is um, it like the is it like the high school warm-up thing where like, you know, in high school warm-ups, like the team will they'll go through their line and then they'll just like give a fist pound to like the referee. Is it just like a fist pound between coaches that symbolizes like their whole team's unit saying good game and we go back to the locker room? Is there some type of human touch that we need to remain in basketball? To keep it so pure. Oh my god, the the purity of it all. Uh, the 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 old Big East needs to live forever. That's that's the key here. We need to we need to keep the. Uh, oh yeah, we could fight in a steel cage of basketball for forty minutes and then go and shake each other's hand. That's what we need to do. I just don't care. <laughs> and that it's was nice. A, like, it's that a nice was okay. Moment. I just there's, don't care. there's there's frame pictures of of many in many Boston sports fans' basements or bars or pubs of Larry Bird and Dr. J choking each other. And and that probably wasn't okay either. Things have evolved. Things have changed. Let's stay up the times, everybody. And uh, it's okay to not have a take for everything, too. Well, I, I guess not with, with today's today's day and age of everyone has their own platform, their, their own Twitter account, and you can't sit any plays out. And the handshake one is one that a lot of people have chosen to speak up loudly and furiously on. Yeah, you don't need to have a take on everything. That, that's it. That's really I don't. it. Just like, tell me what to do. Tell me where to go. It's don't. like sometimes like, you just go to the grocery okay. store and have a list. Like you don't have to like go in and it, it doesn't have to be so. We, we make everything so hard, so difficult as society and definitely as college basketball. Go through the line, shake hands. Good game. You, you, you battled. You fought. Get over it. Don't touch each other. It's 
don't touch each other beyond the handshake. I don't know, man. I'm talking myself in circles. It, it shouldn't be a, as much of a, a discussion, and it's become a national one somehow, some way. Uh, as we go into March Madness, because the most important thing is not teams of the bubble. It's should we shake hands when the game has reached its conclusion? Sometimes it is okay to be ambivalent on things. Like, it is okay to not really care either way. Like, we, we don't need to, you know, go nuts on every topic all the time. Like, it just doesn't seem – this is kind of why, like, I – disengage from twitter oftentimes like it was funny like you were telling me before the show like oh no yeah like something you said on danny larue's podcast like is on the internet right now and i was just like oh cool like i have no uh, idea Great. do i look do i look I, I saw your eyes drop a second like i hope i didn't get them get them wound up here when you said that's no. why i stayed off of twitter i, I thought you were gonna say that's why i moved to australia i was done with these <laughs> takes. i'm australia. done with you there americans i am going literally down under to a country down under, to a continent down under, to get away from all this madness. To get away from the takes. That's it. I am hiding from all of the takes. <laughs> okay, this is really a mock draft episode of oh. the podcast. Uh, as you saw whenever you clicked the title, this is not about the efficacy of handshake lines and collegiate <laughs> athletics. Uh, Penny, you guys know the deal. Ooh. We're going to go back and forth yeah. on picks. I'm going to have Matt go number one overall this time. Wow. Heavy. Uh, I went number one overall last time. Yeah. And he'll pick number one. I'll pick number two. He'll pick number three. I'll pick number four. We'll go down to 30. I have vague hopes of this being under two hours. Um, well, uh, well, hold on. La- last time, I think we're like an hour 45, which is, which is pretty good. And some of that was the timer. So if we keep it lottery picks three minutes or so, everybody else a, a minute yeah. or two, well, we'll do it. We'll do the, we'll do yeah. our best. I don't know if we'll do it. Do you feel any differently about this draft heading into this uh, exercise than you did last time? Like, do you feel like the draft has gotten a little bit stronger? Some players have emerged or do you just still feel like, oh, wow, once you get to number 13, I have no idea what to do because you could probably have, I don't know, realistically 15 different players in number 13. And I would be like, yeah, great. Sounds good. There there are some guys have emerged, but not so much that. I feel great about set emergencies. Anytime I hitch my wagon to a player or a freshman, they conveniently the next game go two for ten. They don't score yep. for a month. So I don't I don't really know what reality is with the freshman class. It's it's a really hard group of guys to iron out and say, This is the order of your quote unquote pre draft candidates. The guys that are probably taking a year early, but worth a, a look and an evaluation. And even at like the top 10, I, I haven't seen like too many major shakeups here. Potentially Shaden Sharp being eligible as one. Beyond that, yeah, not. what did we decide on Shaden? Did uh, we your, decide to your show? Draft I, I asked, we, we, we laughed about it, so I don't know what your oh, did we? Did I never actually answer? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I can look, but I don't think you did. <laughs> um, I no, don't use him. All right, first guy off the board, Sharpie, Shaden Sharp, you're off. Got it. Uh, like, I, I don't where, know. Where do you, you want to use him? Like, oh, how do you feel off. about it? He's, he's already off. Uh, I, I don't know how to feel. You, you talk to 10 different people, you get <laughs> 10 different answers. It's like an right. easy line. Uh, but I, he's a, he's slotted for me in the top 10. I mean, if we just want to like give 30 seconds to and Sharp, if he comes out, he kind of be like a high school to pros guy. There's a, a ton of uncertainty. You'd have to base your evaluation off high school games and, AU games and his workouts are going to be great. And you have to understand that he played high school games this November and he'd be playing NBA games uh, less than a calendar year later. That's scary for a guy who hasn't 
really had the the reps in, at the college level. I mean, if he played high school games in November, I have some questions if he's going to be eligible for this well, draft. That, that's the, that's the old that's the old. He graduated, but he was a post grad, so the post grad year doesn't really count. That so that's okay. the that's the fuzziness of it. Uh, yeah. A hard, a hard guy in, in this class of, of players to say he'd be outside the top ten, but I'd be very, very, very nervous with sending that pick into the commissioner. Yeah, I, I mean, look, he's going to get declared eligible or not, one way or another. The league will announce uh, whether or not they are accepting his application for early eligibility to the NBA draft. I uh, Look, I have him at five. If he enters the draft, I think he's a stud. Uh, I think he's absolutely a monster. I, I would happily take him and move forward, but let's just like operate as if he's not going to be in this yeah. draft because all of the public indications have been that he's not going to be in this draft. I will say, like, if I was Shaden Sharp and I was a great basketball player and I was thinking about this strategically, I would not play this season. So the fact that he's not playing this season to me is like a potential first step down the road of deciding to enter this draft, but we don't know. And all of this is speculative. So until we have a little bit more clarity, I'm comfortable keeping them off. Uh, I'm trying to think, is there, is there anything else we need? Do we, I want to talk a little bit about the concept of like the pre-draft as well. Um, Just like uh, who some people were telling me that like PD Webb came up with the pre-drafting concept. Like I've, I've heard that for a while. Um, like uh, before PD existed in at least my sphere, not to say like, I I think PD Webb's great, but like, I I just don't, I'm a little bit confused. That that kind of put it, put an actual title on the the process of it, of the practice. Yeah, that might be it. Better way putting it, like you might have done that. I I say domestic draft and stash, which is kind of the same as pre-draft. Pre-draft feels less clunky than saying that. Yeah. In this class, like it's 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 heavy. It's pre-draft heavy because after the lottery or or toward the tail end of the lottery, you might be better off taking a guy who needs a year or two in your own system than a more proven commodity because the upside is so much higher with that group. And there are a couple reasons why there are a lot of these guys in this class. The first reason is that I don't think there have been a lot of like sophomores, juniors and seniors that aren't big men that have emerged this year. Like this is a big man centric college basketball season. You look at the best players in the country. I mean, like it's, Walker Kessler, it's Oscar Shibwe, it's Kofi Coburn, it's Mark Williams, uh, it's uh, Trace Jackson Davis, uh, Keegan Murray is like a four man. Uh, it, like you look across the board, EJ Liddell is like a four or five hybrid guy, plays yep. a lot of the four at Ohio State right now. Um, you just kind of look up and down the board, and I'm sure I'm missing some guys, and I apologize to those players that I'm missing Orlando Robinson is another one who's like been great this year statistically and like a lot of the best players in college basketball who have emerged this season are bigs there are not enough draft slots for all of these bigs to be taken in an NBA where the big man position is just a little bit less valuable because there are fewer roster spots for those guys than there ever have been in league history 
I think all of those guys deserve an NBA shot. I think they all deserve a chance to prove themselves in the G League Elite Camp, in the NBA Combine, in Summer League, on two-way contracts, maybe even on guarantees in many cases, right? But not all these guys are going to get picked because it's just more valuable to take a swing on wings and guards and things like that. Forwards, guys with size, guys who are athletic and can move, who can provide defensive value, just different different players like that. The second part is that this freshman class, I don't want to say that it hasn't emerged, but coming into the year, you and I talked about how this isn't the strongest freshman class coming in, right? Um, It's not a bad class necessarily. It's just not like the strongest in the world, right? And because of that, a lot of these guys were expected to be multi-year players. Yep. Uh, before they reached their professional heights. Because not a ton of these upperclassmen, wings, forwards, guards have emerged. Like, I'll be honest with you, Matt. I think this is probably the worst point guard year in college basketball oh, that I can remember. Yeah. Um, like, I, I can't think of a year where there are fewer high-level point guards in college. And, and, and you, you'd say high-level point guards for both collegiate play and certainly professional play. But but even so the, certainly the, for the draft, yeah. Right. And I'd so, say even for college, like, there, there's still some very good guards, but not yeah. like those traditional dudes. Like, there's not 25 Colin Gillespie's out there. There's not. Like, there's there's right. a bunch. There's a good handful of guys, but but not – the the depth that, that we've had not the top and right just not not throughout either right like th- this isn't to you know talk negatively about guys like colin gillespie who are really good college point mm-hmm. guards like I, I don't mean to do that but there are fewer of them out there than there have been in the past so you combine these two facts together where there are fewer great perimeter players there are or fewer great perimeter upperclassmen that have emerged. There is a freshman class that we all thought was a lot of multi-year guys. And it's coalesced into this draft class where the idea of the pre-draft, a a big concept of the pre-draft is essentially trying to get value by drafting a guy a year early and getting marginal value on the pick right it, it, it's a future stock you're investing before it kind of goes public or before it gets a, a big influx of cash or it booms and hope a year or two down the line you still got that guy he's in your system and say hey he's been pretty good at the g league and he's shown okay we're, we're injured and, and getting some nba minutes I'm, I'm glad we took him now at 22 when in a year he might have gone sixth but to me if I'm pre-drafting someone, pre-drafting, if we're, you know, if we want to use that term, I think it's a great term. Like if PD is the person that created the term itself, pre-draft, a great term. Like good job. Um, the, the concept's been out there for a while. Right. But if I'm pre-drafting a player, my idea is that I'm drafting this guy the summer before he goes and like busts out right Mm -hmm. otherwise to me it's just like drafting right like you're just drafting a guy that you're hoping is good at the end of the day and that you're going to get value out of and that you're going to figure out right like this is a 
the pre-draft of it all to me is getting an undervalued, inefficient asset, essentially, inefficiently valued asset that quickly skyrockets. Otherwise, it's just like drafting. And that, that's like, you know, good. And I think every team is looking for these guys that long term can be NBA players. But like, it's this year is weird. This is a very strange year. And I guess that my point is, I worry that there aren't going to be as many values to be had. Like all these guys we're talking about as pre-drafts. Yep. I wonder if they actually are pre-drafts or if they're just like flyers that people got, are got, it, Is it right? just a term we use as sort of like a justification knowing that they're not there yet? We say, oh, it's pre-draft. Yeah, no, I right? think it he, is. He, he's a pre-draft. We're, we're not taking them out. This is for two to three years from now. But to everything you're saying about the lack of emergence of upperclassmen, there's been some great sophomores and Jay Nivey and Johnny Davis and, and Keegan Murray, but it's just not the depth. So you're going to be staring at the face at 18, 19, 20, that pick and say, do you want to pre-draft a guy like Patrick Baldwin Jr. or Peyton Watson, or are you comfortable, and I'm just sort of looking off my list here, or are you just more comfortable with Wendell Moore? Like, I don't know if Wendell Moore has the the highest – end game there but you you know where he is as a player in a year maybe Peyton Watson's way better and, and jumps him it's it's a gamble that a lot of teams are going to have to decide especially in the late first round I'd say early second round too yeah um this is just a very difficult draft year this is a I don't think that this is necessarily guaranteed to be a bad draft uh I just think that teams selecting it from 13 onward right now are going to have much more variance and uncertainty in the players that they pick. There are some players that are going to boom. There are some players that are going to bust. I just don't see much difference in value from pick number 13 to pick number 28 essentially uh, I'd, I'd say deeper i'd say even 35 and i'm laughing yeah. if you're if you're listening and not watching on the youtube stream because you sit down to 13 14 on my board is my first sort of like pre-draft guy so you, you hit the nail on the head at, at least where my line of thinking is yeah so th- that that's where the strength that that's like that's what this draft is i guess is what i want to say that's what like the I don't think it's a strength of this draft. Uh, I like more certainty or like a better oh, feeling yeah. of certainty with players. Uh, I think that evaluators in general like a better feeling of certainty. That certainty does not exist this year. It, and it, it just it, there seems like there's so many guys of uncertainty too. Like I've I was banging the Josh Primo drum for a long time, right? Lead up to the draft, yeah. he, he was way higher than I thought he was. But I also felt like. Primo is like a little bit of an anomaly in that range. Like here's one guy who had like a few flashes, like maybe it, maybe it works yep. out. You could argue like Zaire Williams was, was a, not a reach, but just like they're, they're jumping out there for him. There's like 20 Josh Primos in this draft. And people have asked me like, who's your guy? I'm like, I don't know. Like what ask me in a week, it's going to be different. You're like, like a kid I, at I, a candy store. Yeah. I can give you names. I'm going to have Sour Patch Kids <laughs> today. Could be Skittles tomorrow. I don't know. Like we'll see what's on the shelf. That that's why it's so hard when I go and and watch tape and you don't know what you're getting day to day. That was okay if it was a prospect or two. 
when there's like 15 of them, that's when it's like, I, I don't know which direction we should start driving the car. Do we, do we keep following this GPS of, of where we're supposed to go? Or we just kind of go off road and, and hope we get to our destination in a faster time, which is possible. Yeah. And the big question here is how many of these guys actually enter the draft? Yeah. I, I don't uh, well, uh, th- there'll be a lot to test the waters. I, I, I don't, yeah. don't want to say all-time high because I, I don't know the record and someone will, will yell at me. There, there's going to be a super big group of, of freshmen that at least see where their stock is at. and Some will be told it's 45 to 60, and, and that might scare them back to school. There, there are going to be some guys who are told it's it's 25 to 35, and they say, that that's good enough. We'll, we'll take it. I think that's right. Uh, I will be fascinated to see some of those cards that the NBA sends back. Yeah. Um, those, uh, undergraduate advisory committee cards, cause they are going to be, uh, very interesting, I think. Wonderful. Okay. Matt Penny, the number one overall pick in the second game theory mock draft of the second. 2022 calendar year. Oh, yeah. You're up. With the first pick, I am going to take a freshman. I'm going to stay on theme. And I'm going to take one down in Auburn, Alabama. I'm taking Jabari Smith from the Auburn Tigers. And here, here's my. I'm staggered for... by this. This is <laughs> this is already uh, this is already just an absolute stunner. See, see here's the thing. You, you had the same reaction when I took Jaden Ivey over Johnny Davis and like the uh, build your own team draft too. And uh, for Jabari right now, he's the he's the guy at the top. And, and because of that, he's six ten has a picture-perfect jumper, has the ability to move laterally on defense and block shots and cut guys off, has a great work ethic, and, and even showing that he can improve. that That's tough to pass on. The last couple games, uh, like that game against Vanderbilt when he had seven threes was ridiculous. He had a steal on the backcourt. He just put his arms up, caught the ball, <laughs> and, shot, and shot a three. Like that's, uh, that's incredible. Then he had uh, 11 free throw attempts versus Florida. When he splits the difference and, and drives a little bit and still shooting and, yeah. and pulling up, uh, that's that's a, a special, special prospect. Needs to tighten the handle. It's not going to surprise me if he looks a little different in the NBA, too, with more offensive freedom. It's not a rigid system at Auburn by any means, but it's more so guard-driven. He's playing out of the high post. I think they'll run a, a few more actions for him, specifically out of dribble handoffs, but he can do a little bit more. He's not a finished product. It, it's a little bit, as much as he has still to grow, he just feels like a touch safer than Chet right now. Like the, the bottom for him, the floor is just a little bit higher. I think Chet's ceiling is as high as the draft as, as humanly possible. I just have a little bit of hesitation about the weight and, and that actually going. So for, for here and in the middle of February, end of February, I'm going with Jabari Smith, number one. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that they're 1A and 1B right now. Yeah. That, that, that's, how, that's how I feel too. Jabari Smith. Like I, I think that they are, for me at least, just a small step above the next little group of guys, the next couple of yep. guys. Uh, Jabari Smith is an unbelievable shooter. He's a really smart, uh, active, athletic, mobile defender. Do you worry at all about the rebounding? Do you worry about like, you know, I don't think he's caught between positions. Like I think he's clearly a four because yeah. uh, he can move and like you won't be able to like, you know, attack him in switches or anything like that. Um 
is there any real like thing that you're worried about? Like, are you worried a little bit about the passing, like the feel, obviously the handle we've talked about, like, is there anything else that you have some concerns about? Feel and passing, I'm not, I feel like he's a good enough interior passer. It is the handle. If you just become like a jump shooter and it's a catch, it's just a jab step and a fadeaway or a ball reversal. That's going to be an issue. But the, the leaps that he's grown in from being a top 10 recruit to a guy now being discussed as the number one or number two pick, I don't think he's going to get off this trajectory of, improvement and it'll be better with more space in the NBA he's playing next to Walker Kessler who I I think is fantastic and definitely a a top 20 pick you remove him and put like a different style of big next to him his game could change too Mm, okay I think I'm with that that's a good one number two overall in this draft I'm going Chet Holmgren uh, for all of the reasons that Matt Penny just said I see him as the highest upside player in this 2022 NBA draft class. Uh, his ability to step out and shoot, his ability to protect the rim. There are fewer of those guys in the NBA than people think. Right. Uh, we talked throughout the late 2010s and throughout the early 2020s so far about how the way that we develop big men is changing, the way that uh, – you know, these bigs enter the league, they have more perimeter skill than ever. It's really hard to find a guy who is a genuine NBA level rim protector, in addition to being an NBA threat from three as a seven footer. Like it's Christoph's Porzingis, who's on a max level contract that is probably like an underwater contract to some extent, despite him being a good player. It's Miles Turner. Uh, and, and like the rest of them are really high level, like star level players essentially it's hard like even someone like bobby portis who can shoot threes like he doesn't really have the rim protection serge Ibaka doesn't really have like the rim protection anymore and is more comfortable from the mid-range at this point like it's hard to find guys that can provide this value and the guys that provide this value fit into every single team construct that you want within the league the this is the kind of guy that will fit perfectly as a number two option uh, for a team. Uh, he could be a number one. Like He could develop into that. I don't want to put a ceiling on Chet Holmgren, but if it doesn't work where he is that guy, he scales really well to winning situations, in my opinion. I want to put him next to a big, strong, physical player who can rebound. I want to put him next to um, you know, probably a bit more of an athletic guard who can fight over the top of screens. I would prefer to play him in drop coverage. There are team constructs that you do still have to play with and play around when you draft Chet Holmgren. But I think that his ceiling in terms of being an elite level shooter at this point, in terms of being an elite level rim protector, and on top of it, having potential to handle the ball, being a really high level passer, uh, being one of them. I mean, just straight up, he's one of the most productive players in college basketball this season. Uh, I don't think enough is being made of his case to be an All-American. I would very clearly take him over Oscar Shibwe right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Oscar is fantastic. I, I think that what he's done at Kentucky this year as a rebounder is great. Chet is a more polished offensive scoring threat, and he's a better defender. Like, I, I'm taking that guy over Oscar every day of the week, even though Oscar, if they face one-on-one, might cause him some problems because he's oh, so yeah. strong and physical and can move him around, right? 
I really, really think we are undervaluing how elite Chet Holmgren has been this season. And this difference maker in that even the grassroots circuit when he played with Jalen Suggs on the same team, Chet was the MVP. Like you could say that Jalen was a little bit better offensive player, but in terms of having a complete well-rounded game, it was Chet. My my closing thought on him at, at number two, and it's very close, one and two for me. Teams are going to have to have one patience with him, and two, like a little bit of an imagination to seeing him as a player fifteen to twenty pounds heavier, and and that's a scary proposition because maybe. There's touches of Giannis. Maybe there's touches of Boku. Maybe he's a better version of Porzingis. That is all over the place in terms of what you want for a top three pick. The the thing with Chet, and we'll talk about non-productive freshmen, he's been super productive, even more so in conference play. This guy's starting to click at the right time. Okay, Penny, you are up at number three. Um, number three, and I am going to take Jaden Ivey from Purdue. Yeah, this is this is rude. Rude? Why? That was, yeah. I, I hope next on your board. It, it seems strange that the word explosive doesn't truly capture what he is on offense now. It's it's beyond 0 to 100. It, it's yeah. kind of insane when the, the Nitrix off god bursts on his blow-bys legit, like takes my breath away at times. And if it's baseline, you know it's going to be a dunk. The one he had this weekend or last weekend against Rutgers was legitimately like a joke. Like he took off, a guy rotated, he dunked, he stared down the camera, goes to the free throw line. He never lacked confidence, but now it's like even like grown higher than yeah. than what it is then. Which and it was just straight line drive yeah, against going. Ron uh, Ron Hunter. Or, yeah, not Ron Hunter. Oh my God, Ron Harper Jr. Um, and then Caleb McCollum got tangled. He's like, nah, I'm good. I'm not I'm not doing anything. Just yeah. standing here. And he kind of like threw him out of the way. It was uh, it was insane. And you you do that move right. And then you have the passing. He'll, he'll go off that ball screen, get in the middle, jump stop, kick opposite. Yep. I want the mid middle of the the court stuff to be better, the in-between game stuff to be better. When he gets more reps as a, a pick-and-roll guy coming off and pulling up from mid-range, a little bit of floater. Because if you watch, it, it's not that he doesn't always convert at the rim. It's Sometimes it's a dunk when he's going baseline. If he goes middle, he kind of like throws his legs around, his arms around. He, he looks for a bailout at, at times for fouls. But he yep. is getting to the free throw line. He is downhill. He's in attack mode. He hit the free throw line 18 times last game. That's crazy. That's ridiculous. And that's the kind of pressure you want at the rim where you're drawing the defense in, and he's not a battering ram. So after a few times, he can hit it to the corner. You're in the NBA. He has Stefanovic right now. He's a very good shooter. You have a couple of those yep. guys. It's going to make life so much easier for them. I have him ahead of Johnny Davis just based on a popular buzzword here, what the ceiling could be. The worst case scenario, I think I, I have Davis like a, a little bit higher, but we're we're talking top three in the draft. You, you have to take some swings to change a franchise. Like a, a college coach texted me during that game, during that dunk, and said he already looks like he should be playing at All Star Weekend, right? Like that type yeah. of game where you're getting up and down, you run a million miles per hour, you're hitting threes, you're dunking, you're blocking shots. He, he checks uh, a lot of boxes for me, and that's why I'm taking him number three in the draft here. And I think he's even gotten more athletic. From last year, like he was explosive athletically last year, he wasn't this. Like th- this, no, th- th- this I don't think. He, I don't. I think he would be in the draft if he he had this. Based on how he ended last season with like fifteen or twenty points, at twenty six points against North Texas, he mixed yeah. in a few of these plays. He's he's gone. We're we're not talking about him as as being potentially Big Ten Player of the Year. Yeah, no, it's um, it, it's really really impressive. The Big Ten is just so loaded. Oh, by it's the awesome. Way. awesome. Like. Every night, whatever game you're watching, you're probably seeing a high-level prospect or a high-level big man. It's one of the two. Um, be it 
watching Jaden Ivey or watching Johnny Davis or, you know, getting to see EJ Liddell and Keegan Murray, like you could realistically create a five person all American team from just that league. Like very, that's a good one. Like those, they're five against any of the five in the country. I'd put a lot of money on the big 10. Yeah. They're five against not, not against any other. I I would put their five against Against the field. The field's five, Ooh, I think. Spicy. That's a good I like one. that one. That Isn't is a good it? one. That is a good one. J- but you're talking Jaden Ivey, Johnny Davis, EJ Liddell, Keegan Murray, and probably Kofi, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, that's, I think that's ridiculous, them. right? There's a few sleepers. There's a few sleepers on that bench. They're freshmen, too, I would take, too. Yeah, and we'll then you have there. all the bigs. You have Trace Jackson Davis. You have mm-hmm. Zach Eady. You have Trevion Williams. Like, I mean, I don't know, man. That's a that's a that's a fun debate. Hashtag embrace debate. Please yell at us uh, on that take. You will. Okay. Um, okay, I'm up at number four. Yeah, I'm gonna go Paulo Bancaro. Mm, that's so. I still really like Paulo. Mm-hmm. I'm still. Everything I've seen from Paulo is very good. He is the best player on a Duke team that has lost four games by like a combined nine points, uh, and has led by the um, led the all of those games. I think in the final like minute, essentially, it could be even the final thirty seconds. Uh, he continues to be a high level shot creator in the mid post. I like that he has used his, as the season has gone on, he's used his size, he's used his strength in mismatch to post a little bit more. Uh, he is so aggressive looking for those duck-ins whenever he feels like he has an advantage there now right. that I, I really wonder, like, I think that when we look at him in the NCAA tournament, he, he's going to be a monster. Like, I think he's going to average, I don't know how far Duke's going to go, like I think that they their best is still better than anyone else's best in the country. If I'm being honest, yeah, uh, maybe Arizona. I, I think uh, maybe Gonzaga. Like one of those three, realistically, is my take. I think I would still take Duke over Kentucky. To be honest, um, I still I still think I'd take all three of those teams over Auburn as well. But I think with how aggressive he can be, looking for his offense at times, uh, we're gonna see. I hope. Duke really just filter the ball through him. Don't mess around with like their normal sets. Don't mess around like with this offense that, you know, relies on point guard play when you don't really have a point guard, throw the ball to Paulo in the mid post, run him off of screens to get switches and get mismatches on the block. Like just get him the ball and let him do what he can do. Uh, I think that they go away from that too often. And I think he could stand to be a bit more aggressive throughout every game, right? Totally. But I think that when the lights come on and when these games really matter, because you see it with him a lot of the time as well in big situations at Duke as well, where he'll get hyper aggressive and he'll decide, okay, we need a bucket. I'm going to get this duck in. I'm going to go and like catch the ball in the mid post and create my own shot. Um I think we're going to see a big ACC tournament and NCAA tournament run from Paulo Bancaro. He shows that. And end of games, Duke does run sets for him. It's a quick touch in the post. If it's a, a quick little pin down. I just want that guy more, right? It's like I, I don't I want do. it to be like a missed shot. and Not that he's passive, but just I want the aggression to remain high. 
the the shot is is what I'm hung up on these days. He's at 29 percent from three. I don't know if he's ever missed a jumper long in his life. Every shot is short. He's kind of like jumping, yeah. hoping that it gets there. That NBA line backs up now. Like it's not where the college line is. So if he's short now as it is, you're adding some more space. It has to be better. It has to be the mid-30s from the college line. We've seen guys improve. I don't think the mechanics are broken. We've seen them make pull-up threes off the dribble. I've yep. watched them in catch-and-shoot situations. I had him one spot lower. I had him at, at five. I think it's a great prospect, just not necessarily in the, the same top tier as Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, and Jaden Ivey, but it's still a guy I'd be happy with there. As long as the pieces are around or are right, maybe it's a, a shooting five or a more athletic point guard, a little bit better defenders on the wings that can kind of hide some of his inefficiencies too. Yeah, you give me you give me like someone like Chet Holmgren next to him, I think he's going to just absolutely dominate. Oh, we doing the uh, baby bowls? We're going to draft Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry at the same time? Oh, my God, what a dream. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's absolutely do it. Okay. Uh, Penny, you are up at number five. Well, you threw this one at the rim for me. I can't miss this one. I am going to go with the breakout candidate of the year, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin. So Johnny Davis, uh, he's literally put Wisconsin basketball on his back, and he's done it well. He's as good as an isolation scorer as there is in college basketball. He knows all the tricks. It's it's the first contact, goes slow to fast, takes that big step extension, Steve Laff has called it out during the last game. He's just elite at initiating the bump and then still maintaining the balance to to get off a high percentage shot. It's not he gets there and throws his arms up and hopes he gets the free throw line. Really rebounds the ball well for his position and his size. He knows how to find those like little cracks for for loose balls. And if he's not shooting well, he he knows how to impact the game that way. And he's a gamer. He he finds baskets. He makes tough shots. He's a reason they win. A couple of negatives I, I wanted to call out and, and talk to you a little bit. He doesn't have jump out the gym athleticism. Are we like overreacting a little bit to this? Like, does he have to be the super elite athlete? And why I ask is you, you go back and I'm digging through like kind of like guards and how many dunks they had this year. Do, do we care that Dame Willard had five dunks? Do we care that Desmond Bain has become more of a, a three point shooter? I don't know why we're holding Johnny Davis necessarily to the standard of, well, he's kind of backing guys down and. He's scoring off flex cuts and, and bumping. I, I more argue he's taking what the defense gives to him. And like, you don't have to go and, and sky up every play for me to think that you're a top five draft candidate. No, I, I agree with you. The, the thing that worries me with his athleticism, you know, and I picked this up while I was watching tape for Keegan Murray, to be honest. Uh, he takes these, he doesn't have the burst to drive in a straight line, right? he takes these long kind of looping lines toward the rim mm-hmm. uh, to try and get by guys. And in the NBA, that, that's when the help comes to get you and like reels you in and ropes you in. Right. And, and it's a lot harder to gain separation when you don't have that suddenness necessarily. Yeah. And you take those longer looping lines because guys are athletic. They can recover a little bit more easily. And the help is almost always going to get to you when you take those like wide angles toward the basket on your drives. Right. Um, um, look, I, I think Johnny Davis is going to be like a high level starter. I love the way he defends. I uh, think the shot is going to be fine. Like, I think he's a better shooter than what uh, the numbers indicate or whatever. Like, I think he's going to make shots in the NBA. He just takes a lot of tough ones right now. And that's totally reasonable given what his role is um the other thing i want to call out with johnny davis is bart torvik uh noted this uh, and bart <clears throat> bart's uh 
you know, statistical website is fantastic. You guys should go look at it. But in games against top 50 opponents, Wisconsin has played 12 of them so far. Johnny Davis isn't just the best player in the country. He is like drastically the best player in the country. Like it's not really all that close. Like he's averaging 25 points, nine rebounds, two assists, shooting 41% from three in those games against the top competition. When the games get tough and when the best opponents play Wisconsin, he's been at his best. That says a lot to me about how good Johnny Davis is. I I think that when you take that with the overall production, you take that with, he's not a bad athlete by any stretch of the imaginations. Like he'll be an average athlete, like in the NBA Um, with the shooting, with the defense, with everything else he brings to the table. Yeah. I'm, I wouldn't take Johnny Davis at five necessarily, but I have him at six. Like I, I really like Johnny Davis quite a bit. Yeah, and the other kind of call it is like he hasn't been taking or making threes. He's been taking one or two in the last like five or six games. Again, this is like if you're the defense is allowing you to to drive, you're getting to the lane, and two games ago he had 14 free throw attempts. That's fine. I, I think a lot of that stuff's going to expand. I do worry a little bit, kind of what you said about NBA defense, the, the bumps that he has going to the lane to push off a Big Ten guard. That's different if it's DeMar DeRozan. Like we're, we're not yep. – lengthier, bigger, stronger two guards, threes, they're, they're, he's not going to have the same impact to hit over the top. So you hope the three kind of gets back to where it needs to be. The mid-range jumper stays where it is. Still a, a really high floor, and I like him a lot right here in the draft. Okay, uh, let's take a quick commercial break now that we're outside of the top five and uh, move forward here in a minute. We're talking about players securing the bag when they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with NordVPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP, hackers, and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. Some movies are blocked in Australia. It's really hard for me to watch them. Uh, For instance, uh, anybody who's tried to get their hands on Godzilla Minus One recently knows that it's basically only available in Japan. And you need a VPN if you want to go to like Amazon Prime or something to be able to watch it. So... When I'm blocked from watching a movie in Australia, I just queue up my VPN. I change my location and it unlocks a category of movies from all of my favorite streaming services. As somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. NordVPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shot-blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions, just head to nordvpn.com slash game theory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y. 
to claim your account. Plus, with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash game theory to claim your account. Nordvpn.com slash game theory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord. And it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash game theory. Okay, we're back. I am up at number six Ooh. here in this 2022 NBA mock draft. I'm going to take AJ Griffin. Good. Uh, just the upside. Like, it's hard to pass on AJ Griffin's upside at this point. Uh, I've had some people reach out to me asking, like, do you think AJ Griffin is an elite level athlete? I think that he hasn't gotten a chance to show it as much at Duke this year. I think that his athleticism is one that will play up once he gets into NBA spacing. Uh, it's more powerful athleticism uh, yeah. as opposed to like twitchy athleticism, right? Uh, it's not quite like Jalen Brown. Like Jalen Brown was twitchy and athletic, but because of the way that Cal team spaced the floor, you often didn't get a chance to see Jalen Brown's athleticism. Like I remember that being a conversation uh, pre-draft with Jalen Brown. Like, yeah, he's a good athlete, but like how great of an athlete is he really? Ooh, uh, that, he didn't that, finish well. Miss. Yeah. I mean, no, in, high, in, in, in high school, he was an, an elite athlete, he's like no hard stop, like off the Total dribble, joke. fadeaways, dunking yeah. on guys. That, that was his game. That was his calling card. But because he played the three and Ivan Rad played the four, and like I think their starting center, God, why I remember it was Kingsley Okoro, if oh, I yeah. remember correctly. Good name. Um, it was like a seven footer. He didn't have those lanes to the basket to drive. They had two post players in there basically at all times. With or with Duke, like Paula Bancaro is operating in the mid post and on the block. Mark Williams is a pure rim running five. Those driving lanes don't really exist. For AJ Griffin. And again, I don't think he's as good of an athlete in terms of twitchiness as Jalen Brown is, but I think he's a great leaper. I think he's a powerful physical athlete who can go up through contact, who can go and finish at the basket with some enormous dunks. I think he'll throw down a few big ones in the NBA during his career. Um, and I, I think that his ability to change pace is pretty real. Like I think he's going to have very few issues separating from NBA level athletes because he's six foot six and has a six eleven wingspan and has like a good release point on his jumper. And, you know, maybe that release point's a little bit lower because he's out here standing like Jeff Bagwell uh, whenever he leads <laughs> into the jumper, but like he's higher stand up, put his shoulders back. Yeah, he needs to stand up a little bit. And I think there are some real tweaks he needs to make, but yeah. this is a guy that has every single tool in the book to be a very high level uh, starting caliber wing, and he's bigger than Johnny Davis. That's the thing. Like defensively, Johnny's a great college player defensively, but once you get to the NBA, guys that are 6'6", 6'7", 6'11", wingspan, 220 pounds, like which I don't think A.J. Griffin will have a problem getting to 220 because he is uh, he a very strong, now. like well-built dude. Yeah. Um, 
I, I think that those guys are just a lot more valuable. They're a lot more switchable defensively. So I, I'm going AJ Griffin here. I, I have him at number five. I, I really am a big fan. I, I had him at number six, so I'm, I'm not crushing for this one. I, I don't know who AJ Griffin is. Is the latest productivity him finally being healthy? Is it him taking advantage of sneaking up on guys? I, I don't know. He's shooting 51% of the field, 49% from three. It's about like 100 attempts now. Like We're, we're getting there where it's not like – completely crazy i don't think he's going to finish the season shooting 50 percent, but above 40 is not that wild of a, a guess or prediction he's setting himself up to be a, a future number two or three guy i don't watch them and think this is the guy you you go for as your number one option it's a very confusing arc based on high school to preseason to here now luckily we, we still have a, a month or so left of basketball to, to get more tape and, and see these attempts and see how he is consistently and that's why i have johnny davis a, a spot ahead of him because davis has just done it night in and night out for all season long okay you're up at number seven penny i'm at number seven i think this is where we diverge a little bit so i'm gonna go with keegan murray from iowa mm, we don't really diverge i had him at really seven as well unfortunately. Oh, i mean you're sending me text messages all weekend like i was an idiot and i was going down the wrong place but here's my cell he's just Murray. he's just safe i think he, it's he's kind very, of what it comes down he, to. he's very safe yeah. it's fine it's you, you know what you're getting from a, a multi-positional front court guy at six foot eight 23 points eight rebounds two blocks a steal and half a game stuffs a stat sheet uh i will ask a lot for him and, and he delivers he scores the transition he scores in the half court he's up to 37 percent from three after starting the year pretty slow and I actually like his defense. I, I think he's pretty aware off the ball. He can switch without issue, sniffs out bad cross-court passes. Can he get lazy at, at times and, and get stiff and upright to maybe save himself for the offensive end? I, I think that's reasonable. But I see some small ball five finisher scenarios down the line for him, and you can't count him out. That that Penn State game, he, he didn't play well and found a way to have a tip in at the buzzer to send it overtime, hit a big three. I think he can kind of – feel safe it's a good word to to know what you're getting when you're drafting him here so i love his off ball offensive game i i think he is so smart as a cutter i think he's so good at finding those little open areas iowa on the ball like to get him good offensive half court possessions does a great job of kind of emptying out one side of the court and allowing him yeah. to just have space to operate and he's really good at taking advantage of those opportunities um Really smart, like intuitive offensive rebounding, like glass crasher. Uh, really just he's such a smart, intuitive offensive player, yeah. and I think he translates that to the defensive end as well. Like, I think he's a really smart, intuitive defensive player as well. I worry about the foot speed a little bit more than you do. Uh, that Ohio State game, like, put some flags up in my brain a little bit um, guys that attack him. I think it's the guys that attack him in a straight line. And a lot of those guys exist in the NBA that can attack in a straight line because it's the best athletes in the world. I think those are the guys that get Keegan. I think Keegan also gets caught on screens a lot. Um, he gets caught on like the second, like if you run like a stagger um, on ball screen, or if you run like a Spain pick and roll action, uh, he gets caught on that second screener a lot. And that's going to be something that like technically he's going to have to really improve on. And some of this might seem nitpicky, but whenever you're 
working with like somewhat limited uh, foot speed with Keegan, which I don't think is unfair laterally in terms no. of what his foot speed is. Um, he's an athletic guy up and down the court and he can run and, uh, you know, really get out and transition well, but whenever it's a North South game, I, I just worry a little bit about how that all looks. Like I, I worry that teams are going to attack him with good guards. Uh, but you're right that he's a good team defender. Like he makes action plays happen. And at the end of the day, he's so good offensively. I actually love the way he shoots off a of movement. Like, I think he's really good at getting his balance set, getting his feet under him. Uh, Iowa runs like a lot of like little flare actions for him, yep. which is really, really good um, to just kind of get him loose. And he's really good at kind of just sliding and sliding and then fading into that corner and then catching and firing. I, I think that he's going to work off of movement in the NBA, like to a reasonable level. Like you're not going to run him off of like baselines and pin downs and like have him sprint around the court. But with some actions, like I think that it's going to really, really work. I, I'm, I, I'm at the point now right where I think it's hard to find anyone else where I'm like, okay, this guy's probably going to average like 16, 18 points a game in the NBA and be valuable. Like I think Keegan's going to be. Good sell. Feel better about my pick after listening to the guy who didn't take him as a pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm fine with him. I guess is the, is the way, the way to put it. Uh, okay, number eight. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jalen Duran, and okay. I'm guessing he's probably a little bit lower for you. Just I'm at eleven. No, eleven. Yeah. At eleven, it's gone up. And ultimately, what it comes down to for me with Duran is that now that Alex Lomax has settled in a little bit more as Memphis's point guard, and they're actually like starting to figure out like how to make offense work in any like reasonable capacity. Um, we're starting to see what Jalen Duran can do offensively a little bit more as a role man. Uh, he's been in double figures every game uh, since he's been back. So five straight games. Um, he's rebounding exceptionally well. The first three of those games, he had double digit rebounds. Um, you know, he's <clears throat> really good at running like dribble handoff actions. The way he's sprinting the floor is unbelievable. I mean, he's really trying to get out and transition and, uh, run when he sees an opportunity for it. So, some of the catches, like he'll just catch the ball at like 15 feet oh. away from the rim, not even have to dribble, take like one drop step. And it's just like, boom, I'm at the basket. I'm going up and dunking with power. Um, really good rim protector, obviously really good rebounder. I, I just, it's hard for me to get past Jalen Duran at this point. Uh, I think he's a starting level NBA center. The rebounding has to to stay there. He ripped off a string of three straight games with double digit rebounds. Then he goes for three straight of yeah. like three rebounds, four rebounds. He's too big. He's too strong, physically imposing for numbers to be that low. He's definitely, I don't want to say playing harder, but running harder than being rewarded for it. Like he's got these yeah. enormous soft hands where he's catching and, and finishing. He's only taken one three on the year. That's fine. Just be a powerful front court guy that rebounds, runs, patrols the paint, and he's shooting 64% from the field. Yep. No, I'm a big fan uh, based off of the last little run of what we've seen from Jalen Duran. It's just a simple fit. Like, I don't know if we need to belabor the point. Uh, he's been much better. Memphis has been much better. Um, I, I, we might end up talking about someone on Memphis a little bit later, knowing the podcasting partner that I have right now. So uh, let's. I'd love to. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Well, we'll see. 
Let's maybe hold off a little bit. Okay. Not yet. Uh, up at number nine, Matt. All right. Up at number nine. This is when it gets uh, a little kooky for me. I'm going to go with Dyson Daniels from the G League Ignite. Yeah. I have him at 10. So All right. that's good. I'd, I'd argue maybe the biggest winner from the new All-Star Weekend Rising Stars Clorox game. Nothing outrageous. I, I just thought he showed that he belonged out there. He wasn't running around yeah. all crazy, all frantic. Like he, he made some plays, scored a little bit in the lane. And then the next night, the G League showcase game that they had, he's out again, just using his size. He rebounds really well, and he can rebound the lane. He throws these like full court rope passes ahead to guys that, that take off and score. Like that's that's an asset to have from from his position. Defends all over the place. Can switch. His feet are quick enough. He, he's very instinctual, but still cerebral in like the way he reads and knows the next screen is coming. That to drop down and, and recover back. He has yeah. all these pieces in like this developmental matrix and, and even took to, to hard coaching, which a lot of people called out in that Clorox game where it got him a little bit and he didn't pout. He just went out and they ended up winning. It's not the highlight flashiest player in the world. Uh, the production and the consistent production is what he's going to be able to hang his hat on. And he's very young and, and the jumper's not there. He can get there. One of the younger guys in the class. I, I'm a believer that he figures it out over time. Yeah, I am too. Uh the shooting is going to have to come. Like uh, I think that that's abundantly clear. The shooting's going to have to come for all these G League Ignite guys. I think they're all shooting sub thirty now from three. Uh, actually, no. Dyson might be at like thirty, maybe like thirty-one. It's like that. it's right yeah. there, though. Point remains. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a robotic shot for sure, and he's going to have to uh, make it a little bit more fluid, figure that part of it out. But everything I've seen from Dyson Daniels so far has been. Very, very impressive, in my opinion, as it refers to uh, his translation to the NBA. Uh, I I don't really have anything else to say beyond what you just said. So um, it's probably worth moving on. Number 10. Number 10. I have a group of like three or four guys here. Mm, Yeah, three. I am going to go. I'm going to go Ben Matherin. All right. The number 10. Uh, probably right around where you had him, I'd guess. I'm at 13. Yeah, I, I believe it. He hasn't been incredible over the last little while. I think that like uh, their last game against Oregon. Uh, or no, 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 no. He's, no he, he's had 20 or more points and, and two or more threes in the last four. That's right. He had wins. gone before that yeah. uh, on a run where it was like – 8 points, 11 points, 14 points, 16, 14, 13, 11, 13 uh, to start Pac-12 play. But over the course of their last five games, it's been like over 20 points per game uh, in that run. I thought the Oregon game was absolutely outstanding. I I thought it was probably his most complete game of the season uh, to this stretch uh, of games that he's played Uh, the way that he got into the lane and made passing reads. uh, I thought that it was by far his most aggressive playmaking game for his teammates of the season. Like he actually looked uh, comfortable out there when Oregon took away his first option, he knew what to do and was ready to attack in that way. I think that the passing is the thing that has held me up a little bit throughout the course of the year. Um, I thought he looked really, really good as a passer in that game. Uh, knocked down four threes, obviously. Uh, was okay uh, in, in terms of like driving and finishing uh, at the basket. 
I thought his defensive aggression was okay as well. Like I, I thought he played okay on that end. And that's another thing that's like been a hold up for me. So uh, you're talking about a guy that's going to be like, it's funny. Like I mentioned in the mock draft that I see him more as like a three in transition offense guy, as opposed to a three and D guy right now. Uh, I think that Evans Amir, the city too on Twitter mentioned uh, that he saw like Will Barton outcomes in Ben Matherin. And I thought that was a really good call. Like, I, I thought that that was actually like a pretty, pr- pretty like good point in terms of where uh, I see him currently. Cause Will is not like an incredible defender, but he gets the job done enough. He can attack and get into the paint and take those little floaters and finish the basket in transition and knock down threes. Like, starting level two guard that uh, plays in the NBA for a long time. Ben Matherin, number 10. Will Barton can create a little bit more, has a little bit more wiggle to him. Yeah. And and what I worry about with Matherin is is the creation, really. And, and the passing has gotten a little bit better. The the mid-range game leaves something to be desired. So if the three is not falling from NBA range, are, are we talking about a, a purely transitional scorer that maybe can be a, a plus defender? That's why I bumped him down. He's been better since I've bumped him down, of course. But we're, we're kind of yeah. still in the same range here for him. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's go to number 11. I, I can't believe I'm doing this and, and scooping this from you. All right. Number 11 out of Lexington, the University of Kentucky, Ty Ty Washington. Uh, yes. I don't know if this is a win for you or uh, every single guy here. It starts this is with a win for me. Another guy I don't know what to do with. He, he's grown on me as, as the year has gone on. I was hung up on the lack of separation. He gets off the bounce and then he started making some shots in the move. Uh, shooting more from three he's better on his reads and assists off of pick and roll and he gets hurt he gets hurt again and i'm back to questioning who he is he hasn't shot it well for a month and he's five for 24 from three in that time i know it's a very small sample i just don't know if we're going that direction or this is just like him getting back to to what he was he's turning it over more he's not facilitating as well and i don't know if he's a point guard so if that's the case is he like this slower footed Two guard that shoots thirty five percent, but I just took tenth. I uh, didn't play this weekend. I'm, I'm hoping he he does and he comes back to being the guy. I had twenty eight points against Tennessee and Big Blue Nation was in my mention saying I was an idiot for having him sixteenth. Maybe I am an idiot for for now taking him tenth. But Sam has has won this battle. He he's won me over a little bit here, and I will not firmly plant my flag, but at least put my flag in the dirt and say Ty Ty is my pick at at this spot. The game I really liked from him recently was the Florida game. Uh, I thought he played really well. I thought he let the offense kind of come to him a little bit more. Um, did a really good job making plays for his teammates, passing, creating opportunities for them, uh, in addition to being willing to get his own offense. Like, I think the numbers were probably like, you know, 12 points, you know, seven assists, you know, a rebound, something like that. But, I thought it was pretty effective in the way that he operated. Like it felt like uh, the kind of role he will have in the NBA where he's not going to have the ball all the time, but he's impactful when he has the ball and uh, is threatening when he has the ball. So yeah, I, I, I like Ty Ty. I've liked him all year. Uh, yeah. I had him a spot lower than this, to be honest. Um, how the we've, we've reversed. Yeah. Oh, well, how the turntables. <laughs> Okay, I'm going Ochag Baji. Oh, God. Blew it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, those same numbers that I pulled up 
uh, earlier regarding Johnny Davis and how effective Johnny Davis has been this season uh, against the best players and the best teams in college basketball. Uh, Ochai Baji has been not quite as good, but pretty close. He's been the second best player in the country this season, according to Bart Torvik's uh, rating system against top 50 opponents. Kansas has played 14 of them. Uh, he's averaging 21 points, five rebounds. He's shooting 46% from three in those games. He doesn't really turn the ball over. Uh, he's just so efficient uh, in those games because of his ability to knock down shots, to space the floor, uh, his comfort level now, uh, just putting the ball on the deck a little bit. And he's obviously like a solid defender. I don't think he's a great defender. Yeah. I think he's a good defender uh, that consistently uh, – can deal with tough opponents on the wing. Um, I, I don't think he's necessarily a stopper at the NBA level, but he's big. He's six foot five, six foot seven wingspan. Uh, but when I say big, I mean like he's strong physically. Uh, and I, I feel good about the way this is going to look in the NBA. I do think he's going to be a starting caliber player in the NBA for as long as the shooting is a 40% level. And I'm a fan. Yeah. Ochai Baji, put it on the board. Uh, I, I love Oshai. I, I liked him last draft process like him this one too he did shoot it poorly for a few games and is now kind of reverted back in a good sense to where he should be he's taken on much more of a leadership role where there's been articles out there saying he would never speak up and now he does he's holding david mccormick accountable and and making sure that the guys are where they're supposed to be it's sort of what you see is what you get i, I don't think an enormous jump is going to come in a year where we go back and say man he should have went sixth i think this range kind of from 10 to even 20 is is the right place for him. I, I like him on a team that almost needs him to play 15 minutes a night, and it won't be this slowly brought along process like Chris Duarte-esque in, in that regard. Because if you're drafting him thinking that he's going to significantly improve and be this long-term young guy that you groom, I, I don't know if that's the, the right fit for him. I'd rather have him be like this energy punch veteran, despite being a college guy, that some team is going to need. Yeah, no, I like that. Okay, let's go number 13. Oh, killing me. Okay, 13. I'll say every pick we have so far has been in my top 13. This might sway just a little bit. I'm going to go. Wait, who, wait, wait, wait. Time out, time out, time out. So I, I have a clear top 12, and all of my 12 are gone. No, my so too. you have one guy left. No, 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 no. It was it was 13 because Shaden Sharp was off before the show oh, started. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next. Next up, I am going to go with Tari Eason from LSU. This yeah, is fourteen. I like it. Okay. Not. Not. Not a reach, but he's moved up a few spots from the last mock. Last four games, he's basically a double double of, of twenty points and ten rebounds. He gets up and down to finish on the break. He does have a little bit of a of a catapult jumper, but it is falling from deep, and he's shooting thirty six percent right now. He blocks shots well enough. He's had at least two steals in the last six games. And it's enough for me. I, I know he's six foot eight. You, you'd want more size, but he's productive despite opposing teams scouting specifically for him. You, you need him to develop the left hand. You want that to be a little bit tighter. Uh, make the three point shot continue to be real. But I'll take the toolsy undersized big that kills you in the break and has the balance to score and create some in space too. Yeah, I think the big thing for me with Tari is defense. Uh, I, I love his defensive game. He's super strong and he's one of these big wings who's super strong. And I think he's athletic enough to defend in space. Uh, I think that more than Keegan Murray, um, I, I don't see Keegan being able to slide down to the small ball five. The more I watch him, uh, 
I do think Tari Eason has a chance to slide down to small ball five, be able to take some minutes there, be able to just deal with the physicality of like having to bang up against those centers in the NBA. Like you can't put them against Joel Embiid, but you might be able to make it work a little bit against some other uh, smaller centers in the league. Like you might be able to toss them on like Jaron Jackson if Memphis he, is playing Jaron at the five. Right. When, when like, other teams go small, he's able to go small and, and be there. Okay. If they go big, yeah, yeah I don't want to have the court, but as, as a closer, I would. But I also think he's mobile enough to defend on the perimeter and do a really good job yeah. there. And he's really instinctive and in help situations. He's an action defensive player. Um, yeah, I really like Tari Eason. The question is just what this looks like if the jumper doesn't totally translate. But I don't know. I, I think that this is I think this is the right spot for Tari Eason uh, right in this range more so than like the end of the first round, even though I think in a normal draft, this is probably yeah, more of like a 26, 22 to 26 pick. Yeah. That you, that you feel good about. Not, not a pre-draft. This is a guy that I, I feel good about at 26. Okay. Right, the, I, okay. The, the pause that you're taking right now is, is important for me to note that like, this is where I get really crazy in the next 16 picks are just nuts. So let's, let's strap in. Well, I, I was, I'm debating doing something real stupid. Oh, right I got now. one pretty stupid pretty quickly. I'm ready for um, it. I have a feeling. I, I think I know what you're going to do. Uh, and I'm debating stealing him from you right now. Go ahead. I got a few. Um, do it. Do it. This is like your freaking Palpatine in Star Wars it's going, do it. Do it. <laughs> Trying to get me to like kill someone. Christ. A few, a few safe ones and a few you might be screaming about. Oh my God. This is so gross. Um, I'm going with a guy who dropped three points in an overtime game last night. I think here, and I'm not going to feel awesome about it. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Kendall Brown. Oh. Like, I have Kendall at I, 25. Yeah, I would love to take Kendall at 25. I just think the athleticism and the defensive ability is so real with him. Uh, he he is the kind of bigger wing defensively that teams look for. Like, this is even more so than A.J. Griffin. Like, this is the guy that, like, I think is a really, really high-level defender basically from day one. I am very – like, it, it's different than Josh Green – for me too, where I didn't really love Josh Green coming into the draft. Like I had him in the 20s somewhere because Josh Green's like six foot five with a six foot nine wingspan. Kendall Brown is like six foot nine and can fly around and is like a twitchy athlete and uses his length uh, defensively, both in help and in switch scenarios. I think he's a legit one through four defender uh, at the NBA level. He is not aggressive enough offensively. I think he has skill offensively. I just don't know what to do with it, to be yeah. honest. Like, he's just not aggressive enough at this point on that end of the court to where I'm like, oh, yeah, like I I, I really buy into these skills. I don't even think the jumper is broken. Like, I think you're going to be able to work with it on some level. This is a huge risk pick because he just might not have enough offensive game to make it work. But, like, it's. It, I can't believe we're still talking we about <laughs> sixty other <laughs> options. All right, we're still talking about him not looking at the basket. That that's yeah, a little uh, unique. He takes good shots; they're just all at the rim. He went a month without hitting a three, a month, and probably has to play the three. 
he shoots 70 plus percent of the free throw line. I, I just, I have to get there in, in terms of seeing him being an impactful half court guy. If no, they're, they're I think you're closer to where play. teams are, by the way. Like, yeah. I, I think you're more like, I think the team see him more like around 20 right now. Uh, so, and, I, and I don't have crazy concerns defensively as long as he's locked in. He can be a, a help on that side. It's, um, yeah, I, 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 the first mock draft we did, I took him like seventh, and that was when he was really passing the ball and showing some scoring and hitting a few threes who were just slow. And he, you hit on it. He had three points in an overtime game, and you look at the box score, and it's like, how did what went wrong here? Yeah. No, th- this is like, this is the pre draft of all pre drafts, <laughs> if we're calling it that. Like, I don't know how he plays in the NBA offensively next year, but okay, let's, uh, Congrats. let's move You're on. Basically a lottery pick. Uh, my next pick, yeah. what what number am I? 14, 15? 15. 15, Rod Lottery. I am going to go with another Auburn guy, and I'm going to take Walker Kessler. And I'm going to oh, say okay. – No, a, this is not what I thought you were going to do. Cool. I, I have a, a few. I'm, I'm waiting till you uh, you jump in, then I'm going to do my cannonball. Uh, he's Auburn's MVP, and if he's not yeah. – the most important player for his team. He's close to being, I'd argue, the most important player in college basketball. He's the last line of defense for the Tigers. And that line is used a lot and, and it's used well because he's seven foot one. He's really long arms. He's averaging over 4.5 blocks per game. And he's coordinated enough where he recovers when he's beat and can still block shots and alter shots. He has instincts from the weak side to rotate as a shot blocker as well. He'll close out the shooters on the perimeter. The protection he provides at the rim is so strong that it allows their guards of, of Katie Johnson and Wendell Green to really pressure and take these crazy gambles because they know the security blanket on, on the back end is going to save them. Offensively, he sets really good screens, big screens. He rolls hard. He has good hands. Little mechanical in the post, but has a couple moves, shooting 64% from the field, 22% from three. He, he's refining himself as a three-point shooter that he was in high school. Uh, if he can get that up to like 33 or so percent, which is is logical, this could be a, a steal of a pick down the line. And also just a reminder that he transferred, and it's okay. It, it's worked out. Sometimes transfers work out for guys. He's made the most of a situation I didn't anticipate him doing, and I, I feel okay taking him in, in the middle to back end of the first round. So Walker Kessler right now is a 20.1% block rate. Uh that is the second highest mark in the history of the Ken Palm database. Can you trivia time? Oh no! Wait, what was the name? Stat again? The Read it one more time. Block rate. So, yeah. okay. The Ken Palm database goes back to 2004. Is it Can a you player? Name from 2004? the player. And this player, I think, was in college when you were in college. Ooh. This is back in 2007. Can you name the player that is ahead of Walker Kessler right now in block rate? Well, uh, scarily, my my first thought was my college teammate, Stefan Lasby, who had six triple doubles in the year. But I think you would have put that – you would have framed that a little bit differently if it was a fellow minute man. So Stefan had a 16% block rate. He was fourth in the country that year. Pretty good. Joel Anthony – was second in the country that year at UNLV, longtime Miami Heat player. It's not Joakim Noah, correct? It's not Joakim Noah. Hmm. I got I got nothing. My other guess was like Charles Bassey from like a year or two ago. 
Shout out Mikkel Gladness from I mean, Alabama. What are we A&M. doing? <laughs> what are you doing? I thought I was going to – like I hate being stumped. Like when I was on the NBA athletic show the first time after the draft. Oh, I went, oh, the worst. I, oh no, he's the best. But, I, yeah, I went 0 for 100. I'm like this – like he just like framed me up to, to get killed. I thought you were doing the same. Like you didn't know that. But, yeah, I, I did not know that. No. Um, the second in this mark – is Larry Sanders at VCU or third behind Walker Kessler. Um, Larry Sanders went on to a very successful NBA career up until he decided to leave the NBA. Um, This is Walker Kessler's mark is essentially the first like over 19 block rate, even since 2010 when Hassan Whiteside did it for Marshall. It is by far the highest mark that a high major player has ever had uh, in the Ken Palm database. Like it's not even close. Uh, he, he, what, what Walker Kessler is doing this year as a shot blocker is unbelievable. Uh, he has been a genuinely elite rim protector. If you think he's going to shoot it at all, it is not, this is not a crazy pick to take him at 15. I had him at 16. So right. I, I'm Worldwide. right there with you. Okay. Yep. Okay. Number 16. Look at that face. You're, you're I'm waiting. Like, waiting. I, I love this. The anticipation. It's the Royal Rumble. I'm waiting for the entrance music to hit. What do we got? You're, you're just waiting. I'm going. Go Marjan Beauchamp <sighs> out okay. of the G League Ignite. Okay. And um, go ahead. Adam 19. Close. Yeah. Uh, the reason I'm taking Marjan, I've not been as sold on Marjan throughout the course of the year. But the more I've talked to scouts, the more I've talked to people that have been around that team and have played against him in the G league, they really just like kind of respect the way he goes about it. They talk constantly about his toughness and his willingness to just like fight and battle out there Uh, in a draft where I don't know who the fuck I can like, go to battle with on a given <laughs> night necessarily. Um, I trust Marjan Beauchamp is a guy that is going to defend. He's going to cut constantly. He's going to rebound. He's going to do all the little dirty work things that I need from a player to help me win basketball games. Again, this is a guy I would love to take at 25 and not 16. But I'm good here taking Marjan Beauchamp. He's averaging what, like 16 points a game, like eight rebounds. Yeah. He still can't shoot, but he's an effective <laughs> finisher around the rim. Like, if he shoots it, he's definitely a really good NBA player. It's just whether or not he can shoot it at some point. He's a complimentary piece. He's slashing, scoring, pulling up a little bit more. 57% from the field, 24% from three. I'm drawn to the action and play away from the ball. Uh, got a lot of fans that early season G League showcase and tapered off a little bit and their season ends in like three games so the, the tape is sort of the tape he's built up a stock enough that i, I, I yeah. believe he'll end up being a top 20 pick yeah top 25 i would say i, I don't even know if i go top 20 but th- there are some concerns like i've talked to a couple teams that have been like uh you know he's 21 years old and you know th- you can't yeah, really old. count yeah. the numbers in the same way that like you're counting you know Jaden hardy's for instance because Jaden hardy's a little bit younger at this point in playing professional basketball like as a lesser developed player just physically at this point. Um, I, I think that's true to an extent, but I just really respect the way that Marshawn Beauchamp goes about it. Um, yeah, I'm good. You're up at number 17. Okay. 
17. Going back to Waco, Texas, I'm going to take Jeremy Sohan from the Baylor Bears. Okay. Give me, give me the, give me the Sohan take because by the way, Jeremy Sohan scored six points last night. In an he, did. Game. he did. He did. Yeah. He's a six foot nine <laughs> freshman. He's shooting 50% of the field, 33% from three. Every three game stretch, I changed my mind. One stretch, he's not productive enough. The next, I feel the twenties is, is too low. The last game yeah. I actually saw, I actually watched was versus TCU. He had 16 points on six of nine shooting and eight rebounds. So I'm going to play off of that. I like the defensive switchability matched with his size. He legit can defend every spot. I'm not saying he's going to start on point guards, but he has quick enough feet. He's quick enough laterally where if he switched onto a guy on the perimeter, he's more than capable of that responsibility. Controls his body well in the offensive half court. Has ISO scoring ability. I, I really like the, the future of what it looks like with him as a pick-and-pop isolation guy. He rebounds, hits the glass. There's some Jabari Smith in him with the turnovers on the drives and, and the handle. Yeah. He's he's 18 years old, if I'm not mistaken. He'll be 19 on draft night. I like how he has some international experience. He's picking his spots. A Baylor feels like a, a risk, maybe a, a calculated risk. Going to be a, a test the waters guy if I, if I had to bet, and I would take him sort of in this range. Yeah, I mean, I have Sohan and Kendall Brown. I, I keep going back and forth on those guys, to be honest. Like, I, I keep trying to decide, like, okay, I like Kendall Brown's athleticism a little bit more. I think that it's just more fluid. Uh, I think that change of direction is better with Kendall Brown. But I think Jeremy Sohan is a much more comfortable offensive player who can handle the ball and can actually drive and attack in a way that Kendall Brown can't right now. I don't know, man. Like it's it, it, it's sort of like the Tennessee thing from a year ago with Jaden Springer and Keon Johnson. Every mock we just like flip them like two or three spots. Yeah, we do. We we really do. Um, early in the season, I was kind of like, well, you know, like on what level should we just trust Scott Drew? Like Scott Drew's playing Kendall Brown just drastically more than he's playing Jeremy Sohan. But as the season has like over the last five games, I think they played like if not the exact same number of minutes. It's like within two or three minutes of one another. So and, they're, you know, both playing a crazy amount of minutes now. It's, I don't know. I, James, I don't know. James, James Akinjo also had a great night last night. He like 29 or something like that. It took 17, 18 shots. So it was more guard based than it generally can be. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to make me go now at number I 18. Am. Yep. Oh God. Um, this is, this is gross. Um, Number 18, I'm going to go Mark Williams. That's who I had. I like centers. This is <laughs> this is the uh this is the opinion of yeah. Game Theory podcast. I love centers. Center theory. Uh no, Mark Mark Williams is a terrific terrific rim protector. He's a terrific rim runner. He's been in double figures, I believe in four or five straight games at this point where he is just comfortable like you know that you're getting uh, on a team where he plays as the fifth option offensively every single night because they have so many guards and perimeter players that are going out to score, uh, you know you're going to get 10 points literally just off of offensive rebounds and runs to the rim and out in transition. Um, it, it's literally the role he's going to play in the NBA. And we're getting to watch it. He is an incredibly effective rim protector. He's one of the, I don't know, 10 best defensive players in college yeah, basketball, something absolutely. like that. Um 
great measurements, seven foot tall, seven foot seven wingspan. I think he is still just figuring it out at this point too. Like he is still a higher upside beyond what we've seen so far as he continues to learn, okay, I need to be in this spot and drop coverage. I need to be, um, you know, here rotationally on the weak side. He still misses a few of those from time to time that I think take him below Walker Kessler a little bit in terms of overall defensive effectiveness within the college basketball setting. But his ceiling is higher than Walker Kessler on defense because he just has the better like measurables. He has better athleticism. Uh, I have him like one spot ahead of Walker Kessler right now. I- I'm willing to bet on Mark Williams and his tools figuring it out, given that he's already at such a productive level playing as the fifth option on this uh, Duke team while also being asked to anchor their defense and doing it uh, to a pretty reasonably high level still while he's, you know, still learning essentially how to play basketball uh, as the primary guy on the interior. At three blocks a game as that anchor in the BC game, he did get an intentional foul because he was blocking and defending, protecting the rim too hard. Offensively, 70% for the field, every percentage true shooting rank in the ACC, he's at the top of the list, knows what he is. He doesn't try to make it too crazy. Occasional mid-range jumper. Beyond that, rim runner, rim protector. I had yep. the same pick. Number 19, Matthew, you are up. All right. I'm going to need a couple minutes here. Uh, are you ready to to do this? Um, I know I know who you're going to take. I know who your first like wild card is, and I'm going to okay. be disappointed when you do it because I think that I was going to take him next. I am going to take a freshman from the Big Ten. Yep. yep. Yeah. He plays at the Ohio State University, and I'm going to take Malachi Branham. I was taking him next, so yeah. So I, I'm going to justify him falling through the cracks a, a little bit up until this point, and, and here's why. It, it's a weird collection of stats. I, January 2nd, they played Nebraska. I watched that game for EJ Liddell and Bryce McGowan's. I, I knew Malachi Branham, but I, he was not on my radar. He goes 6 or 10 from 3. To that point, he hadn't taken more than three threes in a game. I thought it was, wow, kid shot well. He was open, took what he was giving to him. January 9th, a week later, he goes 13 for 14 for the free throw line against Northwestern. Up to that point, he hadn't taken more than four free throws in a game. So I don't I don't know who he is. Like, who is this guy? Now the last seven games, he's averaging more than 10 attempts per game. Uh, he's at 14-plus points. For the season, he's shooting 47% from the field, 45% from three, 80% from the free throw line. So he's becoming this, this steady player that has the actual production to match. He had this game against Indiana the other night where he mixed in the strong drives, he's elevating, he's pulling up out of mid-range, and Ohio State at the end of the game are calling plays for him. End of regulation and end of overtime, they're running like isolation and pick-and-roll plays for, for Malachi Branham, and and he's delivering. I mean, there was a, a yeah. play at the end there where he was doubled and drops it off in the post for a bucket, and he, he had 20 points. Again, I, I'd, I'd be comfortable investing in him right now and I, I didn't think it was hyperbole when I text, uh, tweeted it after the game that if he comes back to school, he's going to have kind of this buzz and talked about in that like Jaden Ivey, even Johnny Davis type of ilk as this impact sophomore to come back. You look at the stats of Jaden Ivey and Malachi Branham as freshman. Malachi Branham's stats and, and numbers scoring about the same. The shooting percentages are all better. He's not the athlete, not even close. And, and some people are worried about is he able yeah. to do that against bigger, better defenders i'll bet on it if the guy shoots 45 plus percent from three to get to the free throw line is 
any and I know that you've talked to NBA guys, I've talked to agents, I've talked to opposing coaches in that league. They all say the same thing: like this thing is coming, and and now it's like I feel like we're here. Yeah, uh, like I said, I was going to take him next. Um, it, I, I thought the twenty was more reasonable than you know having that one next to his name, like yeah. that, like team's number, um, <laughs> just a number, but I, just a spot. Yeah, it's it's literally just a number. Um, over his last fourteen games, I have the numbers here. He's averaging sixteen points, four point four rebounds, two assists, while shooting fifty two percent from the field, fifty from three, and eighty percent from the line. This is happening. Like and, he and, is and eight, for, and eight for eight last night for the free throw line, like converted. And if we if we yeah. did this twice a week, where I think we'd run out of stuff to talk about it at some point, you and I have both been talking about a week about like arguing who the prospect of the week was going to be able to do for for Malachi Branham because it, it was bubbling, like the cup was full. Yeah. Now it's like completely overflowing. Yeah, no, it's one hundred percent right. I, I mean, he is just absolutely awesome. Like he he's awesome. There's just no. There's no way around it. The thing that look, I, I don't think he is quite what Jaden Ivy was last year in terms of a draft prospect because he's not as athletic. You nailed that on the head. But there's a lot of Johnny Davis there. And he is long. Like he is a very long player. The reason that I didn't like him that much, I thought he was an NBA player. I didn't see him as a one and done guy. Oh, I didn't I either. didn't like the jumper from distance uh mm-hmm. when he was at St. Vincent St. Mary's. Like I really did not think that he was going to be able to consistently shoot it from three early in his college career. I mean, he's a fucking shooter now. Like, it's clear that he has just worked to the point that he is a legit NBA, maybe not NBA three-point shooter, but college three-point shooter at the very least. Um, You mix that with the in-between game that he's had for a while now, the ability to drive, the fearlessness. He's tough as shit. Like as a driver, I mean, like he takes bumps and it's like nothing. Uh, it doesn't phase him. Yeah, th- this is happening. I think it's uh, it's, I, the, I, it's the corner's been turned. If you look and if you look at game by game game logs of Jaden Ivey's a freshman, he did this around the same time in the last five yeah. games. It was fifteen, seventeen points. He had twenty six against North Texas or or something like that. It's it feels like the the turn is is kind of the same. And yeah. I, I I do my, the ones kind of disclaimer i want to have is i also wouldn't be surprised if next game he's he's not great because these freshmen just as a whole have been completely unpredictable so next game he has six points and then four points and has 26 i think that's kind of like normal for the the sailing we're doing right now yeah and like he went three for 12 against maryland right and had eight points like he was not good in that game he went one for seven against penn state in this run and was bad in that game right um but you know what though in a lot of those games where he still doesn't play super well, he still gets to the line like a pretty real amount. Like he, he yeah. finds ways to make it work. Like he's, uh, he's figuring out even in the bad, like terrible moments, how to be productive. Unlike the guy that I'm about to take at number 20, <laughs> who Good segue. it looks like he's not going to play the rest of the year. Yeah. I had a 20. This, we should have just done one, one board and just read it off guy by guy. Go ahead. I'm taking Pat Baldwin here at number yeah. 20. It looks like he's going to miss the rest of the year. Uh, he's been dealing with injuries, it seems like, for a while now and has been banged up. So, like, how, how much do you want to take the numbers at face value versus, like, a guy who tried to make it work and just yeah. couldn't, right? Numbers are real bad, though. Oh, they're bad. 
numbers are real bad. Like he's the thing I wrote in the mock draft last week was just literally like, I can't remember a prospect where the numbers for the competition level will have been as bad as Pat Baldwin's are uh, this season. Pat Baldwin uh, is averaging 12 points, 5.8 rebounds, 1.5 assists versus 2.1 turnovers, shooting 34% from the field, 26% from three. Uh, Right now, the Horizon League is not a particularly strong basketball league. According to Ken Palm, it is ranked 26th out of 32 leagues in college basketball uh, in terms of overall strength. That's bad. That's real bad. And there are contextual factors. His guards are terrible. Like you watch those guards, they can't like bring the ball off the court against high major level competition. Um, I think they're inefficient decision makers. He is much more relied upon to create offense than he will be at the NBA level. Uh, He just won't be asked to do it as much. I'll be interested to see how this pre-draft process goes. Oh, me too. Uh, there, me too. The scouts I talked to, they're like, look, we'd still take him top 25. Like he's six foot nine. We believe in the shot still. The, the shot looks beautiful. Like you get him some open catch and shoot opportunities. If he would have gone to Duke or something like that, totally different ball game. He's a totally different player. I think that's right. Like I, I do it genuinely is. think that that's true. That's why I took him at number 20, despite the fact that he averaged 12 points in the fucking horizon. Like this. <laughs> but like you're hot, you're hot. He's still six, nine with a, a mechanically sound jumper that, that yeah. looks pretty. And I've seen him shoot it like that in the high school level and the grassroots level. He, he's better than this type of shooter. You, you take him as a real stash. We're, we're talking about stash. Right? He's a stash. Get him tougher. Teach him how to play with an edge again. Reinvent himself as a prospect. He's a top five talent that was a top five player in his class like that. Like there's guys that figure out late. I know they're very different players. There, there could be some Zaire Williams there. Zaire Williams. I, I know it's a pack 12. It's a much better league at Stanford. Zaire Williams averaged 10.7 points at 4.6 rebounds, shooting 37% from the field, 29% for three, 80% of free throw line. I don't think anyone's saying he's a steal in the draft, but people aren't like shaking their head now being like, ah, oh, Memphis really reached and, and took him there. That kid was a former top three recruit in the country. who was talked about maybe as being a contender for the number one pick. It, it's context. Maybe it's some just basketball maturity being put in a different situation. Uh, I'm okay. Take him 20. I held on as long as I could keep him in the top 10 because I like it, everything about him as, as a prospect, but in the production, doesn't match it, especially in the Horizon League. He just has to take a, a tumble down about 10 spots. Even Zaire Williams, though, had the defense to he fall did. back And on. a triple-double. Like, I, I, I get it. Had the passing. Yeah. Uh, and we ha- we just haven't seen that from Pat this year, unfortunately. He's more limited than Zaire is. Like, he's just not the athlete that Zaire Williams is. And yep. that's okay. But he's going to have to do it a different way, and it's going to have to be with the jumper. And I don't know if he can do that. I think you can. I think he can, but based off this year, that is now a bit of a question in a way that it wasn't entering the year, and that's strange uh, to me. Okay, number 21, you're up. This is so muddy, the last 10 picks. I'm going to take Blake Wesley out of Notre Dame. Okay. I I did not have Blake Wesley in the first round, so this is fun. So 
He's a but you don't have in the first round, but you don't think I'm like totally crazy either. You can no, say to no, yourself no, no, like, no. hey, like I see it maybe because he's a huge part of Notre Dame winning like nine of your last eleven. Big guard yeah. with a big wingspan, he can make reads and plays on the move. He's doing a better job as the season progresses, recognizing the rotating defense and not like pre-making his read. So there's games where guys will step up. He's dropping it more down into the dunker spot for for guys that are open. He's smart in the way he drives and still can finish opposite using the rim as a shield. He's not going to try to like throw himself into traffic into a shot blocker. There's there's a lot of good things going on with him right now, but he just needs to slow down a little bit. It's the the sixty five percent of the free throw line. It causes concern some. Uh, he just had went six for eleven from three and it was like hitting like movement threes and and pull up threes and going behind yeah. the screens. Like if he can do that and blend his already solid pull-up game and, and getting all the way to the rim, the free throw line, making those shots that you can rely on, it's it's worth a, a sort of minor investment here in the 20s to, to get him early. Yeah, I thought that his last three games were actually pretty good. Uh, the Wake Forest game was awesome. Yeah, he, he was, was ridiculous. Really, really good in that game. By the way, you know who else was really good in that game? Uh, Jake LaRavia, probably. My guy, Jake LaRavia. My guy, Jake LaRavia, was awesome in that you game. Have he had next, 20 right? points. 23. Nine rebounds, five assists, four steals, like just balled out. Uh, Laravi is an NBA player. That's that's been the take on this podcast from November on. It will remain. Um, yeah, Blake Wesley. I really want to like Blake Wesley. Every time I watch him, I'm like, shit. I love the way that he attacks offensively in the half court. Like, I think he's so creative with the ball in his hand. I think that like he just has that innate skill. I just wish that he did anything else that I was like, definitely NBA quality right yep. now. What do you think of him defensively? Fine. Not, not awful. Not great. Not a, a pick on guy, but also not the the lockdown guy that I, I want on an NBA starter averaging 25 points per game. I just like, I, I want him to go back to school is like where I'm at. Like, Dude, I don't think, we want most of these guys hypothetically yes. just th- throw out the financial situations and all that stuff. Like the, the next 10 guys, eight guys are going to rattle off. I, I would like more, more college reps because the, the NBA, I don't yeah. think we're missing in that. Like you're going to say, Oh, Blake Wesley, you know what? We're wrong. He's actually starting this year. Like I, yeah. we, we didn't miss on Herb Jones. I didn't think he'd be the, the guy that he is now, but it's not like completely crazy that he's starting. Right. No, the, I had Herb Jones as a first rounder. I, like, I, I, I be, was in. Yeah. I think it'd be pretty crazy if one of these six, eight freshmen we take here start as a as a rookie. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Okay. I'm up at twenty two. <clears throat> Do it. Um I I I uh, think I am going to – I think I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to feel awesome about it. But I do think I'm going to take Jaden Hardy here. I thought about it. I have him at 24. Yeah. Jaden Hardy needs to, like, completely adjust the way he plays basketball. Um, He needs to shoot. And needs to be willing to make the passing reads when he's not open to shoot. But he has a lot of game. He has a lot of finishing craft off the bounce. Uh, he has the ability to separate. 
he needs to defend. Like there's just so much that he needs to do, but then there are these flash games where like he'll drop 30 and nine assists and you're like, just do that. Like, but defend play more within the flow. Like, don't just like, I really think that like if he starts to shoot it at a higher level, cause he's not a good enough shooter yet to play the style of game that he plays. If he starts to shoot it at a higher level, he is probably like a really good combo guard off the bench. Like he's probably like, and by that, I mean like very, very effective combo guard, like not just, you know, oh yeah, like he's hanging on and averages like 12 points. Like I think he can be like Jordan Clarkson level good is like a high level sixth man off the bench. And like, I'm willing to take that at this point at 22, but he needs to adjust the way he plays right now. I think he's averaging like 17 points a night while shooting. I think it's like 36% from the field and 26% from three. And that he has a negative assist to turnover ratio, despite the fact that like when he decides to pass, when he decides to get his teammates involved, he's good at it. Like he can make passing reads. He sees the court in the kind of creative way that you want him to see the court. You just want him to do it more. Yeah. Like it's almost all like just style of play and like decision-making and, like the way that he sees basketball, he has real like baller, like Hooper tendencies that I think could translate really well, but he is a, he's a long way to go, I think. But the talent is there. I do still see talent in Jaden Hardy, despite the fact that the numbers are as bad as they are. I, I thought he was sort of the antithesis of Dyson Daniels. Would Dyson Daniels look comfortable in that Clorox game? I just thought Jade Hardy was going a million miles per hour. Just like too fast, like inside out dribble. Yep. Crossover, it's like just relax. The NBA is all about pace. It's about slow to fast. You don't yep. have to go a million at, at all times. The scoring's there. Yep. there. There's spots for guys that can score and, and create and fill it up from the guard position, especially off the bench of the NBA. So there, there could be a role for him. I have a little lower, still a first-round pick. And here, here'd be my question. Like, if he's averaging 17 points a game playing against, you know, worse players in college than he is in the G League, he's averaging 17 points a game shooting 42% from the field and 33% from three in college, where do we take him? Like, what, it's probably what, around here. Here's, think, here's right? my, like, probably what, what teams he on, what's their record? Is it. Yeah. Is it the yeah. hey he's on Kansas he's Ochai Bach they're twenty two and four or is he on a team that's below five hundred but he's hey he's getting his or something yeah right yeah. right yeah, Bryce yeah. Hamilton type no you're right or something you're right like Bryce McGowan's numbers are not all that drastically different than this no they're than not. what we're talking about so okay yeah you're up at twenty five or okay, twenty three I'm sorry you are going to yell at me right now and that's okay this is a complete not even shot in the dark I, I know I'm in the dark I am going to take Peyton Watson from UCLA. And yeah, um, no, I know, I know me, it's crazy, but I get it. I, I so, get it. Like, and, I think and, it's completely and, reasonable. And, and this is, the, and this is why I explain myself. This is a pick for team with like multiple first round picks. So I think right now it's like Oklahoma city, Memphis, San Antonio, Houston, the breakouts coming. It's a year away. The amount of space between actual draft worthy performances is significant. But if I have three picks, two to three picks, it's worth taking a gamble on a guy that definitely has not put it together yet, 
but has the, the high school pedigree, has enough tape that looks like it's going to work in time. And you don't need it right away. He played a lot of guard in high school, and you can see that out of his isolations, the way that he can score. And when he's clicking, he's a great two-way guy, six foot eight, with a plus wingspan. He defends, he anticipates, he blocks shots to the rim, he makes plays on the break offensively. I like the mechanics of the shot for the most part. He needs strength, he needs time, he's going to get there. Being the third guy in a draft class in the first round may actually be, be, end up being the best thing for him. It's not going to be the expectation level we have to produce. If he's going to leave, it, it's probably somewhere in this to, to 35 or so range. Yeah, so... Peyton, he's banged up right now, from what I gather. Yes, didn't like, play has, like, some, yep. like, smaller injuries, like bruises mm-hmm. and stuff like that, that, like, are holding him back from being at his highest level. Um, Peyton Watson has scored I know. I know. one field goal know. since the start of February. Yep. And then November to January, didn't have a field goal. I, I get it. I do. Well, we we said this draft bottoms out. I think we're at the not the bottom, but just this this is where we can afford to to take our chances. We're not taking them ninth. Yeah. We're not taking them fifteenth. This is twenty three. Yep. And I, I still like the talent. I'm with you on the overall talent level of Peyton Watson. Um, okay, we're twenty four. Hmm. We're twenty four. We are at twenty four. I am going to go. I'm going to take EJ Liddell. Oh, I like that. I'm 30. Yeah. Um, Been one of the most productive players in college basketball this season. There's not really a way around how productive he's been. He's averaging like, I I think the numbers are like 20 points, eight and a half rebounds, three assists and two and a half blocks while shooting uh, 51, 39, 74. Like those numbers are like things that nobody in college basketball, like in terms of the, the number that's the differentiator is the blocks plus the assists, like those two things combined. Um, like no, nobody has really done this in college basketball in the last quarter century. Uh, it's, it's pretty staggering. He's a very real rim protector. Uh, I loved Grant Williams in the draft. I think that Grant's jumper, uh, I had more faith in it than what I do in EJ's, despite the fact that I think Grant's numbers from three were probably a little bit worse. Uh, Grant's free throw percentage and his touch, uh, particularly from the mid-range, was always a little bit better. Uh, I think EJ's jumper flattens out too much oftentimes, yeah. unfortunately. It, it, it's, it, it's gotten better, but definitely does. Yeah. Uh, he's going to have to really work on that through the pre-draft process, like really work on improving that uh, jumper to where it's no longer flattening out. But he's a really smart defender. He's a really, really smart basketball player. He makes shit happen. Uh, is a combo four or five man that you can put next to like a floor spacing five, maybe. Uh, it's going to be situational with EJ, but I really, really like the, like the production that I'm getting here uh, on a player that has been one of the best players in college basketball this season and certainly will at the very least be a second team All American, if not a first team All American. And Grant Williams didn't take a ton of threes in college either. His senior year, he only took 1.2 per game, shot 33%. Yeah, EJ's yep. probably a, a, a – he is statistically a, a better shooter than that. He's a safer gamble than a lot of the freshmen I'm rallying off here. Have to know he's still six foot seven in, in the front court. Yep. There's always going to be some limitations. As the game does continue to get more mobile and less traditionally sized 
in the terms of centers, as we've just drafted about 10 of them, maybe he could be a guy that, that fits that bill. Yep, agree. Okay, you're up at 25. All right, 25. I am going to take Harrison Ingram from yep, Stanford. The guy considered uh, with Liddell. So, sounds good. Off the board, uh, I'm a fan of his feel at, at six foot eight, 230 pounds. He's coming off a couple of bad games, just like everybody here against Colorado and Utah. Before that, he put together a nice little stretch of 14 or more points with five assists, hit multiple threes in each game. With his at least perceived lack of foot speed, the shot has to stay up in the mid-30s. That has to be a threat on the catch if, if you're not going to be able to blow by guys. One note here, too. I, I'd say he's probably a little bit ahead of schedule than what I projected he'd be as a freshman. Our, our yeah. expectation level for most of these guys is, is sky high, and he should be a two-year guy. He's been better than I thought he would be. We don't have to rush through his process for, for every player. Uh, for the way that he sees and thinks and feels and plays the game, I, I like him in, in the mid-20s. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say. I worry about the jumper. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah, like it, it, he's going to have some actual like mechanical work to do on the jumper, I think, because uh, it's like all funky at the top and like he kind of twists his body and it's yeah, th- there's going to be some work to do there. But yes, I think he does have touch and I love his feel. Like you said, like the feel for the game, you're betting on a smart player here yeah. and I'm comfortable with that given that he's six, eight, pretty damn close to a seven foot wingspan, like something like that. Yeah. I adventure. Like um, Okay, speaking of wingspan, number 26 on my end. I'm staying in the Pac-12. Uh, this is going to be three of our last four picks have been out of the Pac-12. I'm going Christian Coloco out of Arizona. Ooh, okay. And he remains one of the best room protectors in the country. Uh, he is an effective finisher at the basket. Uh, he has a 64 true shooting percentage. I worry about the hands and the touch a little bit still. Uh, he has moments where... Like if he tries to execute a post move, the odds are like he's just as likely to like brick it off of the glass as he is to like actually make the shot. Uh, It's going to take some time, I think. But you put him in a rim runner role where you tell him, okay, you set the screen, you go, you catch the ball above your head and you finish, you simplify the role and then you play him in drop coverage where he is a terrific drop coverage defender. He's an absolutely terrific drop coverage defender. Um, Really good positionally. Tommy Lloyd and that staff has done a phenomenal job developing him on that side of the court. I think he's been the second best player defensively in the country this year behind Walker Kessler. Uh, It's not an accident that because of his presence, Arizona has a top 10 defense and is allowing the second lowest percentage of shots to go in from two point range uh, in the country. So uh, Christian Coloco, purely a defensive rim runner uh, center. And I've taken a lot of those in this class. Like I I feel like that's actually weirdly kind of where the strength is right now in this class. Um, Yeah. I'm good with Christian Coloco at 26. I am a little bit lower at 38, but from 30 to about here, that's all negligible. We can we can figure it out. So yeah. for my second to last pick here, an, another weird one, I'm going to take Max Christie from Michigan State. And sure, sounds the, great. The, does it? <laughs> every game we get one to two plays of him coming off like a pin down or a double screen where he catches, turns, and knocks down a shot and say, that's the guy. Uh, but he's shooting 39% from the field and 32% from three. So he, he hasn't been that guy. He's been single digits in five of his last six games. 
but he has gotten better. He's improved since high school. He's got a little bit stronger. He's got a little bit tougher. Uh, another jump is coming. How, how patient are you willing to be with his development? He starts in the top 10 for me next year. If he goes back to East Lansing, yep. uh, if he does declare, I, I would take him as a contender here at the 27th or so pick. And no, we can bring him along slowly with some veterans and then plug him in once he's ready to go. Yeah, I, I really think he should go back to school. I yeah. really, really think he should go back to school. Um, I, I think he would set himself up for a better career long term by going back to uh, Michigan State and continuing to develop, being the centerpiece next year and getting stronger, getting more physical defensively. We know that Michigan State will develop him in that way. Um, I, I, I would go back to Michigan State. I, I think that, like you said, he'd be definitely a lottery guy for me next year coming into the year. And I think that, you know, a lot of Ben Matherin vibes there. I like that. In terms of. Yeah. The last three picks. Hmm. <laughs> okay. What do I want to do with these picks? I am going to use this first one, I think. Hmm. <laughs> Who do I want to take? This is a tough one. This is Very a really tough. tough one. Very tough. Uh, I think I'm going to take Trevor Keels. Do you have Trevor Keels on your board? Yeah, I do. 32. Okay. So right in the range. Right there. Trevor Keels has been in double figures uh, in, I believe, five of his last six games. The shooting is starting to turn around a little bit uh, to where I, I feel a little bit better about the jumper. Uh, the The numbers are starting to leap a little bit he's still the same high level defender that he was coming into the year and that he's shown throughout the year his game against florida state i thought was absolutely outstanding uh this past week he really did a great job of distributing throughout that game i thought like they played him a little bit more at the point and i thought he was just absolutely incredible uh for the level that he's shown this year at least uh as a passing player who got his teammates involved and then took the opportunities that came to him uh, whenever they came, he made three of eight from three. He had eight assists versus only two turnovers. Uh, that was, I thought one of the best games we've seen from him. I know people will point to like the, the Clemson game where I had, I think like 25 and 10 or something like that, mm -hmm. uh, where he was like one of the best players on the court in that game. Uh, I actually really like the Florida State game a little bit more because of the length that Florida State, the athleticism Florida State can throw at you. And he didn't look sped up at all. He looked like he was under control. And it was the kind of role that I think NBA teams, uh, like kind of as a combo guard, like really envision him in. I, I really liked that game quite a bit. So I'm going Trevor Keels, 28. Good pick. He's super strong too. Like if the three's there and then the, the battering ram stuff with control going to the lane – Boston College, when I saw them, couldn't stop him once he got gone. Yeah, so I just want to be clear here. I've taken Paulo Bancaro, Trevor Keels, <laughs> Mark Williams, and A.J. Griffin. I've taken all four of the Duke first-round picks. Whose payroll are you on? Let's yeah. see your taxes. Okay, my last pick. I'm contractually obligated to make this one. Don't feel great about it. Feel worse than I ever have. What? I have to do it. I'm taking Josh Minot from Memphis, it. and this is why. <laughs> He's he's back it's a to bit at this point is why <laughs> like a little bit a little bit he's back to having minimal impact on the court 
Uh, he is six foot eight, and he makes some great passes on the move. Can score up pick and pop. The shot is funky, with the shoulders never really squared. What, what? This is this is real. Uh, changes end quickly on the offensive end. That can result in dunk. Defensive end that can result in block shots. When the game is shrunk down in the half court, he's a solid interior passer and get his own shot off. It's it's a long term play. I, I understand. It's again, this is for a team with multiple first round picks or no need to force the immediate impact. Uh, I really like him. It's going to happen in time, and I just want to everyone to know that that I still believe in, in Josh Minot. I know he's on your board. I don't care. I, I still have him. Twenty eighth. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Last pick. Love. I love love you, buddy. This is great. Love you, this buddy. Is, uh, you know, seven yeah. points, one point, two point, <laughs> and three of his last four games. Just, yeah, look at look at Malachi Branham stretches in the middle. Look up uh yeah, Jaden Ivy three three games ago. We all have our bumps in the road. He's had a few more yeah. speed bumps lately, but <laughs> he's like sort of in their rotation right now. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm up here at number 30. I'm there's trying to guy, decide. Like, there's a guy I you wanna... have. There's a guy you have to take. A guy I have to take? Uh, I think probably. No, uh, go I ahead. Who wait, do you I think was, I have to take? I thought you were going to take Jovic. No, um, he's not been very good recently, yeah. um, and I have some real worries defensively about him. Uh, I mean, would we not be taking an international player? Yeah, that's why you're the international guy. I was depending on you. I mean, I have him there. I, I had him actually like a, a spot or two higher, but I feel like I had to take Josh Minot. Uh, you know, like I don't have, um, yeah, like I have him like right around this range. Like I don't, I don't, I don't love what I've seen from him recently. I mean, like I was debate. Like I, it's less fun if I take him. I think. I don't take him. Let's, um, let's, let's get crazy. I took Josh Minot, so we're we're uh, we're reaching the conclusion of the show here. We're pulling into the station. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the the players that I'm deciding between are Jovic, Justin Lewis, Kennedy Chandler, Jean Montero, Bryce McGowan's. Um, um, I mean, I could get like really nuts with one. Like, I, I could take like a do it, um, do it. shoot it. Number thirty pick. Uh, you are taking. I could take a uh, a Matt Penny style Josh Minot uh, flyer on someone here. Okay. If I if I really wanted to, and I thought he was outstanding in their last game too, but he's had some stinkers recently. This guy. Um. I don't know. Like, do do I want to lean into the bit or do I want to like? <laughs> Do something like it's not a bit. Josh Minor has fans in NBA front offices. It's just not my crazy propaganda. A little bit, but the, he does have NBA fans. I promise you. He does have NBA fans. I've talked to them. They do exist. Uh, this guy is NBA fans too. Um, okay, fuck it. I'm going to take Turquavion Smith. <laughs> oh, I love it. Let's go. I love it. Let's Did not it. have that one on the board. I love it. Yeah, uh, Terquavion Smith over his last 18 games is averaging 18 points, four rebounds, two assists, shooting 41% from the field. He's shooting 38% from three on nine three-point attempts per game. He's six foot four, yeah. 160 pounds, baby. We're we're locked and loaded lean to play in the mean. NBA. Lean and mean. 160 pounds. I mean, you watch him; he's just sudden, man. He like is. he is. 
he he is such an awesome separator, such an awesome scorer. Like we talk about guys that you know could be like Jaden Ivy next year. Like to me, that's the guy more than anything. I actually like him a little bit more than I like Blake Wesley, to be honest. Yeah, I yeah. Blake Wesley is just a little bit more sound. You sort of know what you're getting. Traquavion, like offensively, it could be a quick shot. It could be. Oh, it's a total wild card. 28 seconds left in the shot clock. He's taking a fadeaway three. Possible. Or I it's do gonna not be a, think a crazy drive and a dunk with his left hand with the second left of the shot clock. Once he kind of like yeah. levels back out to, to that stuff, I, I'm with you. I mean, he'd start in the top 20 for me in a year. I do not think Traquavion Smith should leave NC State. There is right. no circumstance where this man should leave college basketball. I want to recognize him. I like him. I like him on first round level. Like, I think he's a really good player. Do not leave college basketball to Quavion Smith. Like, please, for the love of God. Play that um, on loop. Yes, please. Like, you are a very good player. <laughs> and I love, like, the way he shoots. I love the way that he gets up and down the court. I love the way that he can separate in half court. Uh I love his jumper. Like uh, it's it's all real, but please do not leave college basketball to Quavion Smith. And that's the first round. <laughs> I hope everybody enjoyed our last fifteen picks of not knowing what we're doing. Uh, we watch a lot of games. It's not completely throwing darts, but it did feel very darty the uh, the last half. Oh, year. it's it's a total dart right now. That's the thing. Like like I feel really good about Malachi Branham. Like I, I do. I do too. I, I, I do that's, too. That's the first one in a while. The first like player where I've been like, oh no, like this is going the way it should go. He is becoming a more efficient shot creating wing with like real size, real length. There's a world where you can imagine this working at the next level um, sooner rather than later. Even um, some of these other guys, I'm more skeptical on, to be honest. Uh which, yeah, which is logical because production hasn't always matched potential all the time, and NBA teams are going to have some some difficulty here late, and and that's why we we talked about it last week or two weeks ago. I, like Turquavion surprised me. He was we had him as prospect a week, a couple weeks ago. There could yeah. be guys that I like. I have it at forty five, and normally we're pretty good. Like the standard deviations, four or five picks. You could have a guy that's forty five or fiftieth on your board going late first. There could be some franchises like we're not doing this whole like freshman pre draft thing. Get me the older guy. Get me. Yeah. Uh, we'll take Jordan Hall. We'll take Julian Champagny. We'll we'll take even Justin Lewis, who's a who's a sophomore. Like guys who yeah. have, have been around the block just like a little bit more than. Hey, we're, we're going to roll the dice with Blake Wesley or Amina Muhammad or or even Kennedy Chandler. There, there's just I, I don't know how this this plays out. Uncertainty. Yeah, like, Smith in conference this year is averaging 17 points, shooting 42 percent from the field, 39 percent from three, four rebounds, two assists, and two steals. Like m- most years, like that is probably a one and done player. Yeah. Uh, statistically, as a freshman, when you do that, he's just so physically underdeveloped that it's hard to say, like, this guy should go pro. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if he returns to NC State next year, he's probably averaging 22 a game, like, mm-hmm. pretty easily, I think. So he's very talented. It's just like, I don't think he should leave college. Uh, I do want, before we go, I want to recognize a couple of small school players uh, just for funsies, you know? Sure. Uh, we haven't talked at all about Tevin Brown this year at Murray State. He's good. He's really good. Mm-hmm. He is the best player on a really good team, mm-hmm. like a team that's 26 and two. And 
like is very much a threat to make the sweet 16 this year at Murray state. Uh, Tevin Brown is uh, shooting 39% from three this season. He is a consistent knockdown shooter at like six foot six. Uh, I, I'm a big fan. Like, I, I think that he probably look, I, I don't know if I want to say probably gets taken in the second round, but like, I think he has a real shot to get taken in the second round. He's averaging 17 points, mm-hmm. five rebounds, three assists versus under two turnovers a game while shooting 39% on eight three pointers a game. He, I think he has a real shot to go in the first round. He's a good March or second name round. Too. I'm sorry, he, not first. Right, round. He, but, but he's a, a March name too. He's not going to sneak up on, on us because we've watched him and followed him and we said how much we'd like to watch him yep. play for. A lot of scouts they they do the work they go there and but when you're on a bigger elevated stage playing against high major guys and you get to the second weekend that's when the eyeballs get a little bit bigger and you say hey he, he's really doing it against maybe other first round or second round picks and that it's it's an easier comparison when those two teams are playing and then the other guy i want to bring up is tucker devries uh, drake he's playing for his dad darian devries uh he is awesome like you, you watched him play. Like he is not a phenomenal athlete, but he's six seven. He shoots thirty seven percent from three. He's a really good passer. He's more of like a point forward even than like a floor spacer. Uh, really can handle the ball. Really, really can like throw like one handed live dribble passes kind of all over the court a little bit. Like his assist numbers are not great, but watch their games and you'll get impressed in a hurry with him. Um, I don't think he's a twenty twenty two. I think he's a multi-year yeah. kid, but he's one of those multi-year kids that's going to be really impressive, I think, long-term. Yeah, top 100 kid coming out of high school. It was just sort of known who's going to go and play for his dad. He he could have had a, a bigger impact at a bigger school. A kid who who does go play for his dad and, and produces. Unfortunately, Patrick Baldwin Jr., it, it didn't. So those are kind yeah. of like the decisions, and sometimes it goes one way and sometimes it goes the other. He's been really good. Yeah, like I feel like I've tried to be a little bit better about recognizing smaller school guys like, you know, David Rowdy at Colorado State, like shout out David Rowdy. We we love uh, we hefty bowling ball playing basketball. <laughs> Big fan. Um, it's funny, like the the other team that has kind of snuck up this year and been pretty good is Dayton. They're nineteen and eight, and I really like Tamani Kamara coming into the year, and he's you know basically done what you would hope that he would do. It's just that like. He hasn't improved skill-wise in the way that I had hoped that he would. He's still kind of just an athlete out there. The other guy that might be worth noting that we haven't talked about on the show, and then I will let you go finally, Penny, because we've been on here for two hours. Uh, we'll, we'll eat dinner eventually. Yeah, is Vince Williams at VCU. Oh, uh, he's our, our, our guy yeah. chucking darts has been telling me to to watch him, and, and I haven't watched enough just just highlight stuff, but it it seems like a, a legitimate second round type of guy. Yeah, so he is six foot six, like two hundred and five pounds. He is a terrific defender, like really terrific defender who's shooting forty percent from three and makes like very real high level passing reads. Another guy, he's a senior, uh, but he's a young senior, like he's still just twenty one years old, um, and doesn't turn twenty two until after summer league. Even um, I, I really like what I've seen from Vince Williams. I think he's going to be a good on ball defender, and I think that like would probably be like a top 60 to 65 player on my board after having like really sat down and like actually watched VCU earlier this week. Do you think, and I'll leave you with this, my closing statement. Do you think things for you, we've talked it out here. We talked small schools, big schools. Is your top 60 taking more form now, or are we still just like stuff on the wall? Okay. Stuff on the wall. 
at this point. Um, <laughs> All right. Total, totally throwing shit at the wall at this point because we don't know who's going to be in the draft. Like that, yeah. that's the big differentiator at this point. Like there could be 15 guys that are in my top 60 right now that decide not to enter this draft. That would not surprise me at all. So when you're kind of throwing the net as large as that, it's hard, I think, to do that, to have like yeah. certainty, I guess, at this point. Like it, people will yell at us for saying like, oh, yeah, like there are probably like 75 second round picks and there are only 60 slots. Right. But like at any given time in college basketball, there are more than 60 players in college basketball who end up getting drafted at some point. So. You know, the, there are only 60 picks or whatever the fucking assholes say. Um, <laughs> it's as many know. picks as you want. Whatever, ask, uh, right. ask our boy Austin Reeves. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point. Uh, have you watched any movies before we leave? Uh, I, I have. I, I just want to talk on, on one because I think we're a little, little crunchy here. Uh, have you watched the yeah. Kanye West documentary on Netflix? I have not. So, I don't really I have watched- an interest, to be honest. Really? See, I'm yeah. fascinated by it. I, I watched the first episode and it was cool because it's a documentary, so it's slow. It's like legitimately recording him as he's he's going through it and becoming a, a big time producer and, and how like his life changed. He he makes H to the Izzo for Jay Z, the beat. So everyone looks at him as beat maker. He wants to make a CD and he's going he, he has his demo. He's in the Rockefeller studio, like their offices, playing All Falls Down for like the secretary. They're like, kind of get out of here. Like, I, I don't want to hear your music. Like, he has All Falls That's Down crazy. on a uh, on a CD being like, yo, this is me. This is me rapping. Oh, you made the beat? Yeah, no, no I rap on it too. And people just kind of like push him away. Like, he had already written two words. He he had written uh, Jesus Walks with Rhymefest. And he, he, like, he was there, but he couldn't get people to really pay attention to him. And it, it goes in the relationship with his mom and even his mom said, you know, kind of you grew up kind of self-absorbed and you saw some of the the things that led him to be the the way he is now. But I'm a sucker for any story that kind of shows the come up and how he really started and, and built his way and made himself a, a rapper when people thought he was he was just a producer. So there's another episode, I think, dropping the next day or two is three parts. Uh, I, I'm in on that. Yeah, you've you've sold me on it. Like I'm more interested in it now than I was. Like when I just saw. Well, he when, when he like brings people in studios, like I got someone to play for you. Like hits plays. Like Jesus walks. Like dude, how do people listen to this at a, at a record label? Like I don't have the best musical ear, but you hear that, it's like hit done. Like sign me up. Like where do I sign? Like yeah. he had to beat doors down in, in order to to get to get it done. It's probably the same way people look at us or like look at scouts, <laughs> like whenever they watch Damian Lillard when he's like a junior at Weber State, though, right? Like, yeah. wait, how did you miss this? Like, how the fuck yeah. did you like not see this? Right? It's like, it's, it's Damian Lillard. He's a, yeah. he's a star. Nice um, okay. So I watched Kimmy, the uh, Steven Soderbergh movie on HBO Max. Okay. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, like playing a person who doesn't leave her house, basically, who falls into like a. Um, blowout level like thing really good like will probably be like a top 25 30 movie for me this year uh really really liked it um texas chainsaw massacre will be the worst movie i've seen this year i hope so uh i mean what version what version of texas chainsaw massacre this is like i don't say 20th but then they have like one in like space number nine i looked it up yeah uh, there you go they they reinvented they they did the reimagining it's like Ryan Reynolds in one of them at at one point. Some big actor. Isn't it? Like, 
isn't it like McConaughey and Renee? Oh, it is McConaughey. It is McConaughey. How did I look on that? Our sweet king, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, you're right. And then like Jessica Biel's in the one that came in 2003. Yeah. I watched that one. I haven't seen any of those. I'm not like an enormous Texas Chainsaw Massacre fan in general. I've seen the first one. It's fine. Like it's, I understand how influential it is and that's why I watched it, but like, it's fine. Um, this one was like an abomination, just like from a character perspective, from story perspective, like it's clear that like I read about it after where apparently it had like the worst test audience scores of like, I love that some of the movies that have like happened in the last decade, just going to rack up all the Razzie awards. Yeah, like Legendary basically like sold it off to Netflix. And I would bet you, I, I don't know this. This is me guessing that like, you know, the two work together to like make some cuts. Because this thing is under 80 minutes, not counting credits. <laughs> that's like good. Is, That'd be 80 minutes then, two hours and 30 minutes. That's true. It is a sh- it is a, uh, it's a short one. Uh, this was a horror weekend for Laura and I. We watched The Medium, which is on Shudder. It is a, I believe, Thai uh, movie. How do you time for this? It's incredible. I, I don't have kids. That's yeah, how. Yeah, makes sense. Like, while while you're uh, in the stands, it where were you? Albany, Albany. this weekend. Yeah, my son uh, slept in stands. <laughs> he yeah. slept in Albany, UNH. Uh, dads and, and moms and, and guardians alike can relate to this. Uh, we we drove during nap time. He didn't nap in the car, so we got into our seats in row H, and he's like. He, it's everything third person. He's like, Avery's tired. I'm like, all right, man, I'm tired too. He's like, I want to lay down. I'm like, uh, okay. So we made him like a bed out of jackets. He's like laying down in, in row H. I'm just like, God, give me yeah, you, you sent me a photo of that. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is like the cutest thing I think I've ever seen. Oh, uh, cute's There's one a- word for it. But yes, that takes just, us a lot of time. Yeah, as long as he's sleeping, I feel like it's cute. Like, he, it, he yeah, didn't. He, the, the, the key is just, just keep feeding him. Like, here's some popcorn. Here, here's some chocolate. Here's uh, another drink. It's like every 10 minutes you need a refresh. Oh, my God. Um, watch The Feast as well, which is a Welsh horror movie, which was a wild, wild one. Laura and I, like, we're on the hunt for horror movies this weekend. Like, we had to, like, really go and, like, look for some good ones. Um, good, like, 2021 releases. Because with Laura, it's hard because she sees literally every horror movie that comes out. Like, mm. I don't watch them all with her even because I'm just like, okay, this might not be for me. Need a break. Um, Yeah, I might need a break. Um, So when we watch them, if there's not like a big release that's out this week, like we have to, you know, go on a hunt for them typically. Um, So yeah, no, the feast and the medium were both really good. I would both, I would recommend both of them. I really liked both of them. Um, And I'm going to try and go see licorice pizza at some point this week. So I'm excited. Nice. Good yeah, one. Oscar be, buzz. That honestly could be this afternoon for me. I don't know yet. Oh, perfect. Uh, nice little yeah. day. Penny looks like he's about to fall asleep while talking no, to me. So I think I'm it's ready. ready to move on with our days. Uh, please remember, rate, review, subscribe to the Game Theory Podcast. We will be back next week uh, with more. Penny will be back at some point. I'll do some NBA stuff once the season gets going again. Um, you know, this podcast will come out by the time the season has started again. So uh, this is coming out on Friday. We recorded on Tuesday, Penny's time, uh, Tuesday night. So this will be out. Yeah, I'll probably release it Friday morning, I would venture. Something like that. Um, but until next time, folks, we will talk soon. Bye.